The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Rouse. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction, and it's good to be back. Welcome into the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Today is September 12, 2021, and here are the topics that we will discuss on this morning's edition of the serious side. Our goal is to seek justice for Elijah McClain, for his family and friends, and for our state. I've been praying for all of them. It's what I wanted. The Colorado grand jury indictment detailing the 32 total counts levied against the officers and first responders, including manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. The Supreme Court has decided not to block the new restrictive abortion law in Texas. In the late night 5-4 decision, the majority said that the Texas abortion law can remain in effect for now. The justices wrote that they have not ruled on whether the law is constitutional at this point. Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's three liberals in dissenting. It's not difficult to see why people are unhappy. Port-au-Prince is a hellhole of poverty. This is a functioning marketplace. It's hard to believe. The city looks like a battlefield. In parts it is. But these streets, destroyed in a huge earthquake a decade ago, haven't been rebuilt. Were you afraid that day? I was very afraid. Were you, are you afraid now? Going I am. I am afraid. Because I know there's people that disagree with my actions on January the 6th. But I hope they understand I did my job. And there was imminent threat and danger to the members of Congress. Online radio at its best. Dear Lord, I do not know who or what will cross my path on this day. But I know that you are my rock and my fortress. As always, you are my shield and my strong tower. Please help me to attach myself to you today. Also, teach me how to stand strong in you, and choose only your way on this day. Help me walk in your truth, and not my feelings. Lord help me embrace anything that comes my way as a chance to see you at work, and as an opportunity to point others your way. Father, thank you for loving me, and nothing can ever take that away from me. Even if I fail on this day, and fall short, you whisper your unconditional love deep into my soul, and remind me that your mercies are new every morning. That truly amazes me, Lord. Thank you for meeting with me today. Would you wake me again tomorrow with the same sweet whisper of your love? I can't wait to meet with you again. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Wow, what a prayer. 347-850-1272 is our call-in number. It is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. It's best, of course, I never share the stage by myself. Vanessa May Bell is in the house. Johnny D is in the place to be, and of course, the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house as well. Let me say good morning to my colleagues. What is going on, Big Sis? Vanessa, how are you? Good morning. Getting ready for the Texan game. Oh, God. Stop. My daughter gave us boxing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Will you go ahead and do your thing? Do the damn thing then. Texans games, you're doing box seats. You know, I, I just want to be like you when, when I grow up. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> thank you for, <laughs> thank you for, okay. Well, Vanessa, thank you. And, uh, and hopefully I can be you one day. You're my inspiration. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Elias is in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, good morning to you, sir. And uh, good morning, Nessa. Oh, good morning, Marion and Music. Oh, good morning, Kathleen mic. Williams. My mic is on, isn't it? Go ahead, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Elias. We got it. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, good morning, Kathleen Williams. Oh, good morning, Rich Sister. Oh, good morning, my boy B. Good morning, my brother Hawking. Good morning, my brother Jerome. Morning, man. Happy birthday, Jerome. Yeah, happy birthday, Roman Rome. Happy birthday, Romy Rome. Of course, uh, speaking of uh, my main man, uh, Johnny D, and the place to be, he is in the house. John, man, good morning. How are you, sir? All right, good morning, good morning. Uh, I, I'm going first and foremost apologize. I I was trying to hit my mute button and ended up turning the phone off altogether, so I That's apologize okay. for that. But uh, I am excited about being back. Uh, I'll, I'll send out my birthday wishes to to. Brother Jerome, and, and give well wishes to Miss Vanessa and Les and my brother Jay. Um, like I say, just glad to be back in the house, man. A lot of serious topics, a lot of a lot, a lot of news. Did you just uh, say get well wishes? That occurred. No. Good morning, JD. Did you say get well wishes for me? Uh, you know what, Miss Vanessa, I'm, I may have said I'm not sick, baby. I'm celebrating effect- no. Years of love. Yeah, you know what? Miss Vanessa, I'm replaying my 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 memory back, and I said sending well wishes, sending well wishes to Miss Vanessa and Les mm-hmm. and my okay. brother Jay. Yeah, so it wasn't okay. get well. It was sending well wishes. Yeah, uh, definitely. That yeah. that right there is, is is that is that is that North Carolina tongue right there. So, uh, uh, definitely. man, Bobby Jones. <laughs> yep. Thirty nine years with Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. Congratulations to the uh, to, to the hands. Yes. Is, is, congratulations. Is, is, that's a beautiful too. thing, man. When you yeah, think about that, it's yes, uh, it is. being with someone I for that long. Thirty nine minutes. Uh, that's true. Wow. Oh, God. Well, we're, we're back in the house. 
Yeah, we know you do. All right, we're back in the house, folks. Uh, you know, we took some time off. Uh, hope you guys missed us. I've uh, been looking at all the messages, and apparently you have. We are back in the place to be. We're glad to be here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Let's bring in Jackie. Uh, good morning, Jackie, and uh, welcome in. Uh, good, good morning, morning sister. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Morning, Jackie. Right. Good morning. Well, good morning. Jackie. Doing well, doing well. Glad that you're in the house as well. All right, listen, you know we take a few minutes to kind of wrap and clap. We have a few minutes to talk about some things. Obviously, yesterday was a very uh, historical day for this country, and not in a good way, uh, remembering what happened 20 years ago. Uh, in this week's edition of it, Four Minutes or Less, we're going to focus a little bit on 9-11. But just take a few minutes here uh, because it's not on the docket, but just to get everyone's thoughts on uh the significance of yesterday and uh, if you want to share some memories what you were doing at the time you heard the news or saw the uh, planes run into the Twin Towers you can share that at this time Vanessa let me start with you the significance of uh, 9-11 20 years later okay so I know exactly what I was doing and I know it was um it was the day at Southwest Airlines that I was supposed to uh, not have a supervisor working a particular position with me. So I was really nervous about going to work and I was getting dressed uh, to go in and um, I saw this on TV and I texted mm-hmm. Bobby because he can't talk on the telephone and I said, the World Trade Center is going down. He said, yeah, some stupid man or some sick person or some something just told me that on the bus. And I said, no, it's real. So I went to work, but I couldn't even get into the airport, y'all, because of the police was surrounding Hobby Airport. And I had to get a supervisor on the phone to tell them to give me authorization to get into the airport. It was crazy. When we walked in, when I walked into the airport, Jay, uh, it was craziness, it was mad. It was madness. People couldn't get home. They stopped all the airplanes. Uh, flight attendants and flight crews were stuck all over the world for every airline in the world. And some people mm. didn't even have clothes with them, and they were stuck for a week. There was some that were stuck over a week because the planes wasn't moving. They didn't have any clothes with them because they thought they were going to go do a one-day trip and come back. And they got stuck out because the planes weren't moving. So the only thing that did come from it was when I got to work, they told me, Vanessa, just go home for the day because we're going to cut everybody's time today anyway and enjoy your anniversary. Because I told them, it's my wedding anniversary. Here I am doing this. And they said, don't worry about it. Just go home. We're going to pay you and uh, enjoy whatever you can of your day. And so when Bobby came home, we ordered Top of Those Day, and we, we went and picked it up and just sat in front of the TV all night on our wedding anniversary looking at what happened in just disbelief. So I know exactly where I was, where Bobby was, and what we were doing. Just a sad time in this country. Absolutely. Especially on your wedding anniversary. What about you, Johnny D, man? Give me some thoughts here, four minutes that we have left. Uh, your thoughts on 9-11 uh, in 20 years. Right. Re- real briefly, you, you know, uh, to, to think about Miss Vanessa's profession and what she would have experienced that day is far less um, dramatic than what 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 I could ever imagine. I was actually conducting some special ops training with with some of my staff and at that time I, I didn't have a cell phone and someone had just came by and this 
probably a hundred of us out there doing some tactical training. So it wasn't until actually we broke and went to lunch and I was like, okay, well, let me find a television. And I'm looking at that and I see the first plane, boom, you know, on, on, on the replay on the news. And then when I saw the second one, that's when it just kind of locked me in. And I, I was almost numb to just see that. Mm. And then to start seeing the people jumping out of the windows it was a mm. surreal moment. Uh, clearly, the way that we live now is indicative to, of, of that. Um, but uh, like I said, I can't even imagine, man, just what Miss Vanessa was going through, actually being an, an airline employee, uh, knowing yep. that everything just shut down. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. What about you, Jackie? Uh, give me your thoughts on 9-11 20 years later. Uh, could you come back to me? I'm still on the train. Come back to me. No problem, no problem. All right, uh, Mr. Elias, uh, you, give me your thoughts. Well, you know, I was at work, Jay, and my boss, he, he was a, he, he was a, he was a, he was a butt, but he, he called all of us, all of us up to his office. He was in upstairs office. And he had on his yeah. TV and he said, the World Trade Center has just been hit. And they, they showed a replay of that. I said, in my mind, I'm thinking, is this a movie? And when it was, when the second one hit, it was like we're under attack, and it just it, I, I was just like wow. And we we didn't we didn't work at all that day. We sat in front right. in his office and watched the TV all day long, and and the emotions that people felt, people were crying, people were hurt, people were distraught. Yep. Man, it, it was just unbelievable, man. It was unbelievable. You know what's interesting about that is I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting on the edge of my bed, about to go into my office, and uh, one of the guys from the from the office called and he said, "Hey man, are you watching what's happening on TV?" And I'm thinking, "No, what's up?" And uh, he said, "You need to turn on a news channel." And so what I did was I turned on uh, uh, ABC, and uh, and it was just you saw the smoke, and I tuned in just in time to see that second plane hit. And when that second plane hit, you heard people that were on the show, you heard them gasp. Anytime you hear, you know, because when you're in media, you're trying to maintain emotional emotions and things of that nature. But when you hear people just, the natural human reaction was what got me. You heard people say, oh my God. You heard people on the set of the show that I was watching crying. And I'm like, man, something serious is going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, when ESPN said, look, we're going straight to ABC, every channel you turned on, it was all about the World Trade Center. And uh, I just remember saying, my God, someone actually tried to attack this nation. It was a surreal feeling like most of you all. So you guys can share your stories as well. We'll, You want to share stories doing Chatterbox. uh, I'm sorry, not Chatterbox, but doing State Your Case. By all means, we'll read them on the air. All right, 347-850-1272. Let's get a news update in. Let's get the show going. It's the serious side right here on a beautiful Sunday on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. 
A declassified FBI report released on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 sheds new light on who supported the hijackers. NPR's Amy Held reports on the first of what's expected to be several document releases by the Biden administration. The report lays out phone calls and connections between two Saudi hijackers and two other Saudi nationals living in the U.S. One, a diplomat, arranged support for the hijackers upon their arrival in Los Angeles, praising them as two very significant people more than a year before the attacks. The report does not draw a direct link between the terrorists and the Saudi government. It does describe a restaurant meeting between the hijackers and a Saudi government employee as planned, contradicting what the 9-11 Commission has found. A lawyer for the victim's family says the FBI report helps build a blueprint for how al-Qaeda operated inside the U.S. with the support of the Saudi government, which the families are suing. Amy Held, NPR News. The day after the 9-11 anniversary, a Taliban spokesman insists the Taliban is honoring their agreement in the Doha Agreement to prevent Afghanistan from being used for attacks on other countries. The BBC's Jill McGivering reports that Sahel Shaheen is dismissing UN reports that al-Qaeda is active in Afghanistan, calling such claims baseless. In an interview with Pakistani television, Sahel Shaheen said the Taliban were caught off guard 20 years ago when al-Qaeda attacked the United States. Now, with the Taliban back in Kabul, their policy was that Afghanistan would not be used as a base for attacks on another country. We will legislate and monitor this, he added. He was asked about recent UN reports which suggested that hundreds of members of al-Qaeda were already active in the south and east of Afghanistan. Such claims, he said, were based on false information. Iran and the UN's nuclear watchdog say they've agreed to allow inspectors to continue monitoring activities at Iranian atomic sites. He issued a joint statement today following a visit to Tehran by the head of the watchdog. In the two weeks since Hurricane Ida struck southeast Louisiana, promising signs of recovery in New Orleans. But NPR's Debbie Elliott reports harder-hit communities remain in disaster mode. Electricity is back for much of New Orleans, and it's easier to find gas and groceries. But smaller towns to the south, like Homa, are still struggling with widespread power outages, spotty communications, and a lack of fuel and clean water. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. But in those areas of our state, in the southeast Louisiana, that were most heavily impacted, that sustained the most damage, uh, the damage to those transmission lines and distribution systems has been very, very extensive, and to homes and businesses. This is going to be a very long-term recovery. State and federal authorities are also investigating at least 350 reports of oil spills in the region. This is NPR News. NAACP is committed to equality for all people, especially the equality of foundational black Americans. Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance at living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance to? Learn more at NAACP.org. Online radio at its best. This grainy body camera video captures portions of Elijah McClain's last moments alive. Police confronted the 23-year-old as he walked home alone from a grocery store two years ago. McClain died after a struggle with the officers. 
Now this morning, three policemen and two paramedics face criminal charges for the young man's death. Our goal is to seek justice for Elijah McClain, for his family and friends, and for our state. I've been praying for all of it. Um, what I want my son fought for his life and dead for his life. The Colorado grand jury indictment detailing the 32 total counts levied against the officers and first responders, including manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. On August 24, 2019, three Aurora police officers responded to a 911 call about a masked man acting suspiciously. Hey, stop right there. Stop. 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 I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. McLean's family later explained that he suffered from a blood condition that often made him feel cold. Stop no, tensing up. No, me, let go of me. Stop tensing up. No, I am an introvert. Stop respect the boundaries that I am Officers tackling McLean, then putting him in a carotid chokehold, which restricts blood flow to the brain. McLean pleading with him that he is nonviolent. No I have no I don't do that stuff. I don't do At one point, even crying out three words that have become rallying cries against police brutality. The officers later claiming that the 23-year-old had reached for one of their guns. And prosecutors say this was a critical moment. Paramedics arriving at the scene and injecting McLean with what prosecutors say was a lethal amount of the powerful anesthetic ketamine. The Aurora Police Association defending the officers, saying in a statement to ABC News, there is no evidence that APD officers caused his death. The hysterical overreaction to this case has severely damaged the police department. This police department needs to be disbanded and rebuilt from the ground up. McLean's death gained national attention during the months of protests following the police killing of George Floyd. Since then, Colorado has banned the use of chokeholds and bars paramedics from using ketamine to subdue suspects. Now McLean's family wants their son to be remembered as a gentle young man who had a bright future. He was a giver, giver of love, giver of whatever he can to make you feel better, even if he's not feeling good. Family members also said that, that Elijah used to play the violin at the animal shelter, hoping they would not feel lonely. That's the kind of guy he was. And as we mentioned before, uh, guys, there were calls, very loud calls for justice, and the family believes that these indictments are indeed a step to that end. Oh boy. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, twenty two minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side. Uh, three suburban uh, Denver police officers and two paramedics were indicted on manslaughter and other charges in the death of Elijah McClain, a black man who was put in a chokehold and injected with a powerful sedative two years ago in Colorado. The 23-year-old's death gained widespread attention during last year's protests against racial injustice and police brutality following the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. So let's start our conversation there. Um, you know, Mr. Elias, as you go back and listen to the interactions between young Elijah McClain and uh, police officers, you know, the one thing that really gets me is when you hear, and, and you hear this a lot, or you see this a lot, I should say, when you witness these types of encounters between unarmed black men and police officers, at some point in time, you hear the person who's being abused, the person who's being, uh, whose civil rights are being violated, apologizing to their aggressors, saying, I'm sorry, I'm not that type of person, I don't do those types of things. 
And here we are two years later, a young man who would go to animal shelters and play the violin to soothe, you know, stray dogs and cats. I, I, I'm just, I'm at a loss for words, uh, Woodson. Well, you know something, Jay, when I first seen this story, I thought to myself, okay, you seen it. Somebody called and said it was a suspicious person. When the police addressed him, what, what right did they have besides to, to, to observe him, to stop him, man? Well, what crime was he suspected of besides walking? It's, uh, to me, they, they, violate your, they, they violate your civil rights constantly because the only way they can ask you for an ID or address you is, is that you're suspected of a crime. You're, you're suspected of committing a crime. You know, and this man is walking, and somebody calls and says he's suspicious. Because he's black and he's got on a mask? You don't know if that man had a medical condition, first and foremost. Secondly, you don't know what was going on with this young man. So why would you just observe him and, and see what was going on with him instead of going up to approach him and, and, and address him like that? Now this young man is dead because you, you're trying to subdue him and you inject him with the lethal amount of ketamine? Yeah, all of them should go to jail for a very long time. I have no sympathy for any of them bastards. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. You're a police officer. You're supposed to serve and protect. Not not accuse me of a crime when you first run up to me. This is this, this is just ridiculous, man. And again, and, and I mean, I, I watch so many videos of police that 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 when they take that oath, they 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 they. They're, 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 they're sworn to protect the Constitution, but they violate my constitutional rights at all times. At all times. And if you know the Constitution, they say, well, you're a sovereign citizen. No, I'm not a sovereign citizen, but you're violating my constitutional rights, That's, which is what everybody fights for anyway, as long as it's not the Second Amendment. When you say the Second Amendment, then everybody gets upset. But your First Amendment, oh, God, they, they violate that all the time. Uh, you know, John, some can say that this is progress, right? I mean, the fact that these officers are being charged, and I can't recollect, in my memory at least, paramedics being charged as well. So, I mean, is, is this a step in the right direction, or, you know, is it, you know, the same? You know, it's um, uh, another somber moment, but it just – speaks to the condition of today's time. Um, you know, clearly the young man was most likely suffering from some some mental uh, illnesses. And, um, you know, admittedly, when you look at the video, uh, it's, it's unusual to see a person with, you know, a thick jacket on and, and a, a well, it wasn't even a face mask. Uh, it was a, a, a looked like a toboggan with the eyes um, out. And um, like I said, just to think that, you know, it is over two years later, the young man has lost his life. And, you know, when you hear him plead and try to articulate, you know, who he is as a person, it is sad in the sense that, you know, it's always like we we try to have to justify the fact that we are, you know, less imposing, you know, goes back to George Floyd, you know, talking about I'm a good guy 
And this guy is saying, you know, I'm an introvert. You know, he goes as far as says, you know, I don't, I don't kill flies. I don't eat meat. I'm different. I'm an introvert. I mean, just pleading for his life and to think that uh, they provided some sedative to him um, and ultimately killed him. You know, there's some triggers in there that really bothered me when I look when I watching this months ago. Um, you know, one of the officers immediately say, uh, he grabs your gun. I mean, really, you know, that's, that's always that, that way of just, you know, going to that next level. But to speak on your point, uh, as far as the progress, there has, there has been paramedics who have been criminally charged in the past. Um, some of them have come back to be acquitted, but here recently, uh, originally, they they was not going to charge the paramedics and they was only looking at the officers. So I, mm. I think it was 32 counts uh, against the the entire group of five. And some of the charges are pretty significant when you look at first degree manslaughter and um, first degree. Uh, they, they call it accidental homicide and then second degree assault. So, you know, these are these are crimes that will ultimately end up in imprisonment for the majority of, of them, uh, particularly the uh, the paramedic that uh, induced him with that um, that um, uh, drug, uh, a sedative that that he placed in him. But um, again, just another sad bad scenario and situation and uh you know you really you know one would think that you probably wouldn't have heard about it if we hadn't had the summer of protests in 2020 because again this happened in 2019 and when we really heard about it it wasn't until after you know george floyd had been murdered and uh that's when a lot of these things started to come and and unveil themselves and um you know, it's just it's just a different time. But uh, as far as the the paramedics being charged, it's not the first. Um, but to think that the Aurora, uh, Colorado District Attorney was not going to charge the paramedics, um, they could have said that it was in the performance of their duty. So obviously, there was some medical testimony that indicated uh, different. Uh, they may have saw his actions as being, um, you know, so, somewhat alarming. And that's why they use the sedative. Uh, so, you know, again, most most paramedics that I've ever met uh, do things in, 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 in good spirit and good nature. And very seldom you see them get charged. But uh, there are times where yeah. that has happened. Absolutely. 347-850-1272 is the uh, call-in number. Uh, but it goes back to how, you know, we talk about this on the show all the time, how, when police officers approach African-Americans, they are already in a defensive mode or mindset uh, versus when they approach people of other colors and races. Well, the white people, I mean, really that's what it's all about because we've seen, I remember watching a video of a white woman who actually took her ticket, threw it, tore it up and threw it in the police officer's face. And then we talk about what happened January 6th. You know, once again, we say this all the time on the show. Had that been a horde or a mob of black folks running on the Capitol, they'd still be trying to figure out who got shot and how many body bags because we know damn well they would have shot that place up. But it's like it's ridiculous that in 2021 we're saying the first this, the first that. Oh, the first black 
female vice president. I mean, and we celebrate these things. But my God, this country's been along, around a long time, and our people have been here for a long time. Hell, we helped build this damn place. But yet still, we just don't get an equal shake or an equal uh, seat at the table. Let's uh, get out to the phone lines. Let's bring in Steve, friend of the show. Steve, good morning, Steve. Welcome into the serious side. What's going on? What's on your mind? Good morning, Jay. It's always good to hear my brothers. And I think about Elijah, ladies and gentlemen, from multiple people of the church, that a future race war is coming to the United States of America. It's 18 weeks to get your passport. Oh, yes, sir. You think so? Yes, sir. Because, you know, we've said that a few times here on the show. I, you know, I said this last year. I said, man, I think we're we're gearing up for one. So so you really and truly think that uh, that it's going to happen here sooner than later? Yes, sir. Within the next two years, 18 weeks to get a brand-new passport. I mean, you'll be treated better than countries like Japan, Mexico. It's time to leave the empire. Once that dollar crash, once America becomes a third-world nation, the dollar crashes, your property value, your wages are going to be worth less. And these white supremacists, they are going to be extremely angry, famine. Once that stuff starts hitting America, these people, these suburban nice people you think in the suburbs, they are going to turn evil because they're going to be living in poverty. They don't want to share resources with you. It is time to leave the United States of America. Japan is at the top of my list. Japan is at the top of my list. They live longer than Americans. Uh, they're, you, you're treated better in Mexico. You're treated better in Latin America as a black person. Do you want to really want to live around these racist white folks when the economy crashes and goes down because they don't want to get the vaccine? 450 million guns in this country. You're sitting on dynamite. And these rural, these rural areas that I live in, the suburb areas, they don't want to get vaccinated. They're ready to fight the government. They don't even believe Joe Biden was legally elected. Once civil war breaks out, brother, we're at the top of the list. We're at the top, we're at the top of the list to get knocked off. So I'm saying, folks, get your passports, get ready. Elijah McCain, they, they charged the paramedics. They injected that man with ketamine while he's on the ground. It's, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to get far worse once this country becomes a third world nation. You've got to leave America, folks. I hate to say it. You're treated better in Latin America. You're treated better in Japan. Travel around the world. You're treated better. They don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want you telling them what to do. And, and, and civil war is coming, folks. The intuitions, it, it's here. Pray, fast, and pray. But learn a second language. You know, it could take years to learn Japanese. I understand it's not convenient, but the empire will fall. These people are going to be evil, a lot more evil in the future. So just think about what I'm saying. God bless you, Jay. You have a good Sunday, sir. All right, my man. Uh, let's uh, let's kick that around a little bit because, Steve, you know, we've I've said this before. So it's not so far-fetched because when you look at the temperament and you look at the temperature that's going on, uh, I, I remember I, I watched George uh, Bush give a speech yesterday during the 9-11 uh, ceremonies. He was at, I think he was at uh, Shanks, is it Shanksville, uh, where the plane went down the field. He really, his speech really knocked it out the box, but he made it a point to talk about how back in 2001, how the nation, regardless of color, creed, political party, affiliation. Uh, he, he talked about how the country came together 
and you hear people, and they've been saying this for the last two weeks, Mr. Elias, if something happened right now, uh, this country would not rally together. It would be some type of political tinge to it because people would think that there was some nonsense. Mm-hmm. He talked about vaccinations. He talked about all these different things. You know, we can sit here and talk about what's happening and what happened to Elijah McClain. But, but listen, I mean, the whole to me, it's a whole environment. So you can say, well, what does that have to do with him? It has a lot to do with him because the bottom line is, is that the fever in this country is at a high pitch. And, you know, it's like a keg of dynamite waiting to explode. Let's say you. I'd have to agree with you, Jay. Everything is uh, it, it's political. If you look at it, you know, even the vaccine, is like, like Steve said, the vaccine is political. You know, every, they politicize it. And, and and these are the same people that that'll politicize the vaccine, but they'll take their ass out and get it. This is this is what I don't understand, man. If you're that, if you, if politics means that much to you, win a fair election. When it's fair, you know why? Why do you gerrymander jam, districts? Why do you do all these things? Because it's at a fever pitch. These things are designed to 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 upset and anger people. Well, guess what they're going to do? They're going to upset and anger people. And when a horse cart overturns, it's, it, it's going to be hard to get those apples back in there, man. It's going to be hard to get them back in there because people are going to go 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 crazy. You see what happened on September 6th. You know, this, this is just, this, this is, and, it, and it, the, the prelude to that was what was happening in Michigan. That was just a prelude to it. That was a testing ground. I'm telling you, man, it, 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 it's wild out of here. I don't ride without my pistol anywhere. I don't. If you're going to get me, I'm going to get a couple of y'all. Y'all might get me, but I got to get a couple of y'all before you get me. Because this is just how we live in now, man. <laughs> let me step in because Mr. Elias is the Terminator. Thank you, Mr. Terminator. All right, let, let, me, let me go to you, John. No, it's <laughs> the truth, uh, Jay. Well, I, I get what you said. I, I mean, listen, I try to put a little light spin on it. You, you know, you really tell it. You know, most people would say, hey, I'm just make sure I'm protected. Mr. Elias, oh, no, I got guns on me. So if you come after me, I'm going to shoot you down. You know, it's just how you, know, you just really – don't leave anything to the imagination. That's the thing I get a chuckle out of you sometimes with some of the things that you say. Uh, John, let me give you uh, a few minutes here, the last minutes we have left in this segment. Uh, what Steve said, you know, I mean, we're talking about Eliza McClain, and there's no doubt about how we feel and felt and we've expressed our opinions on how that whole thing went down, and the fact that these officers were charged. Some people may say that that's not enough. I think that, you know, four years ago, this these officers would not have been charged. And like you said, because of what happened with the George Floyd situation, people were like, uh-uh, we, we got to step up and do something. But I want to focus a little bit on what Steve said about, you know, a race war. Uh, I don't believe that the U.S. will become a third world country. Now, that's something I don't believe, but, I mean, you know, who knows. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if you'd have told me two planes would have flown into uh, the World Trade Center you know, 21 years ago, I'd have called you a lie. Or if you'd have told me that a mob of white folks would have ran the Capitol and stormed the Capitol, I would have told you you were crazy as hell. So, I mean, who's to say whether, you know, the United States will become a third world country or not? But let's talk about the race war aspect of it. Do you see or do you feel that at some point in time, that this big dynamite keg that we're sitting on is going to explode and you're going to see people in the streets, you know, like the purge or something, white folks, white versus black. And 
and, and the whole nine yards. Just give me some thoughts on that. You know, I'm one who believes that um, theater reflects reality, and reality reflects theater. So by the mere fact that someone began to make those type of movies means two things. Uh, One, I believe that in a subtle way it exists now, okay? But then secondly, I do believe that someone will try to make that mirror their reality I'm more optimistic in regards to the plight of the bowels of West America, uh, you know, the the, the Western part of of this world. Um, And I don't think that it will be a a race war. Um, We've already had war on American soil, which was the Civil War. And, of course, that was the most costly in regards to the lives, uh, and we can argue as to why it occurred, but when it's all said and done, it really is about economics in America. So, therefore, with that being the prowess and the existence of, of America in the Western world, then the ideology of being a third world country, I don't believe that that will ever occur. Um, not in my time, not in, not, not, not in anyone's time uh, moving forward. But I respect the fact of what he's saying. Uh, I refute the fact that uh, foreign countries treat the black man and black woman with more dignity and respect than they do in America because I've traveled abroad, and Jay, so have you. And there is that sentiment uh, that has been propelled and perpetuated throughout the world where the black man, if you look at in, in South America, if you look at in, in – uh, your your Hispanic and Latino countries, Central America, the darker race people are the ones who have the less dignity. Even in um, Somalia and the, the Philippines and Panama, so that existence and that ideology, like we'll be able to pack up and go somewhere else and be treated like royalty, is only an illusion. And 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 in in, in theatrics, to be honest with you, uh, but I don't think that there'll be a declared racial war. Um, I'm, I'm one who believes, and, and history will show that in, in our most challenging times, in our most challenging times, other races and other demographics have been right there in the struggle and the fight. If you think about the summer of 2020, and that's not to dismiss the, 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 um, the activism and the achievements of African Americans, but if you look in the in, in, in the streets of, of of the social justice movement in 2020, you saw a pretty and a very diverse group of individuals, um, and that's 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 reality. So to think that right. people will just be divided by that line is probably not going to exist because we have made some significant improvements in America. To set back and and look at time and history, yeah, it's a lot more that we have to do. And yet a disappointment comes in the fact that, you know, you when, when you walk out your door, you want to be and you wanted to have that same dignity and that same reverence that, that, that people that people would have to a different race 
But the truth of the matter is, is that there has been some improvements and some significant improvements. And uh, I think that it will continue right now. We are just in turmoil because what has happened is that we have allowed the, the mind of a reprobate to set back and show us our differences uh, matter more than our common ground, our common breed. But it's fear that's driving this here. Okay, when people see that their existence is now being either neutralized or coming to some type of equality uh, in their minds, although there's still a, 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 a generous wealth gap that favors Caucasian families versus African-American families and Hispanic and Latino brothers and sisters and their families. So that wealth gap is still there. But whenever you start to pull equal, there is that group of individuals who see themselves as being ex- ex- extinct or, or not having the power. So that's where that fear is coming in at. But we have mm-hmm. more common common cause than we do <clears throat> uncommon and, and and what my greatest concern would be is this right here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll cut it off. I think, unfortunately, what will bring us together is the fact that now we are more vulnerable from outside entities and terrorist attacks than what anyone would think. So we've got those homegrown um, extremists, and then we've got those international extremists. And I think that those differences and those challenges will bring people together. Well said, well said. All right, yesterday the nation uh, observed the 20-year anniversary of September 11th. And this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We're going to listen and hear from a family member who lost a loved one during that tragic day. It's Kavita time. Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. It is best. so much. I, I just do it for her. Harry Ong is not a man who seeks attention, but one who mustered the strength to meet us at Cypress Cemetery in Colma. This is uh, Betty's final resting place uh, of the little thigh bone that we have got back uh, of her. The past two decades has not been easy without his little sister, Betty. It's been 20 years of anguish and pain, at daily reminders and remembrance, as far as for me and also for my family. Reminders of American Airlines Flight 11 on September 11, 2001, when Betty, along with her fellow flight attendants and crew, left Boston's Logan Airport, when 15 minutes en route to Los Angeles... The cockpit is not answering their phone. And there's somebody staffed in business class, and we can't breathe in business class. Somebody's got mace or something. Betty was the first person to make contact with American Airlines, relaying the chaos that unraveled when their plane was hijacked. Little did she or most on board know their fate as the first plane to crash into the World Trade Center. What strikes me so much listening to that phone call is Betty's calm, Betty's composure, 
and her steadiness. Where does she get that from? That's just her. Just different qualities or personality in her life. On the other end of the call, more than 700 miles away, was Vanessa Mintner, who at the time was based in Raleigh, North Carolina, as an American Airlines agent. She was the first person on the ground to be alerted to the terror aboard Flight 11. And this call fell into my lap. There was an immediate difference about this phone call, because, and she did not give me her name yet. I remember her saying, it's okay. Everything, you know, we're, we're landing. We've made, you know, we're making that turn to land. And the last thing she said on that phone call to me that I remember was, please pray for us. And I lost it. Vanessa sat down for an exclusive interview with I-Team reporter Jonah Kaplan from our sister station WTVD in Raleigh. You have to understand, Betty Ong, to me, was the hero. I still get emotional, so, so bear with me here. She was the hero, not me. Well, it's the first time I've heard uh, those words from uh, Vanessa. Again, my last contact to her back in 01 with a letter from her. You know, she, again, was a very private person, didn't want to be contacted or, as I was told, to even discuss anything. And to know now, 20 years later, um, you know, her tribute to Betty and to all the others, uh, it's very meaningful. And I appreciate it, that the fact that you were able to get a hold of her and, uh, and tell us this. Betty's heroism was recognized by the 9-11 Commission and locally by Reverend Norman Fong, who lobbied tirelessly to name this community center after Betty. Thousands in Chinatown are served every year because of the center and Betty Ong Foundation. It's the same community she loved and where she grew up and yearned to leave. Betty developed an urge to really just travel, just go out and see the world. And I believe that's why she became a flight attendant. As Harry and the Ong family continue to remember their Betty, they hope her life and death can continue to serve a purpose to all who remember 9-11. What I'd like the world to know, especially in these days and times of divisiveness and hatred for one another by a lot of people, that the goodness of uh, September 11th aftermath is so positive. And I wish that we can perhaps regain a lot of those thoughts and feelings for each other and for humanity. In San Francisco, Dion Lim, ABC7 News. Today, nearly one in five Americans are living with a mental health condition, from our children and grandparents to our veterans, co-workers, and neighbors. For all of us, our mental well-being is just as important as our physical health. But unfortunately, most of us don't know how to recognize the signs that someone is in emotional distress. And so many of those who are having difficulty can't get the help they need. And together, we can change this. We can start by visiting changedirection.org and learning the five signs that may mean someone is struggling and needs help. And then it's up to us to show compassion, to reach out, connect, help folks find the hope and the support they need. Together, we can change the story about mental health in America. Together, we can change direction. Online radio at its best. The new law called SB8 does two major things. It bans abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected. That's usually around six weeks into a pregnancy and well before most women know they are pregnant. 
The law also allows any citizen in the country to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps facilitate an abortion after the six-week time frame. That not only covers doctors and nurses, it could include, for example, taxi drivers who unknowingly drop off people at clinics. NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos joins us now. So, Danny, the Supreme Court majority is allowing the law to take effect, but writes, quote, in particular, this order is not based on any conclusion about the constitutionality of Texas's law. So what does this development mean right now for women seeking abortions in Texas and for their providers? Yeah, this this should go down as the Dred Scott v. Sanford of unsigned one-paragraph late-night orders. It is wrong. And that's not just me saying that. That's Chief Justice Roberts saying that. That's Justice Breyer saying that in their dissenting opinions. The majority uh, in this case gets it wrong. Uh, They say they acknowledge the burden that the proponents need to show irreparable injury. What other kind of irreparable injury is there than the inability to get an abortion? But they get mired in the procedural issue. Well, hey, if the uh, state isn't directly enforcing it, if it's the citizens in Forcing it. Hey, the state, this is a novel issue. Well, if it's a novel issue, then preserve the status quo, exactly as Justice Roberts says. If this is a hinky situation, if it's bizarre, if it's novel, then what's the harm in preserving the way life was, not just yesterday or the day before, but for the last several decades while we sort this out? So, Danny, do we know at what point the court could actually? Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, nine fifty two, or should I say fifty two minutes after the hour, depending on where you are. It may not be nine o'clock. Uh, listen, Texas once again in the news: a Texas law banning most abortions uh, is in effect because the Supreme Court did not act on an emergency appeal to put a hold on that law. Now, this law puts in the most dramatic restrictions on abortion rights in the United States. And this is the most restrictions on this law since the high court landmarks decision on Roe versus uh, Wade back in 1973. I tell you what, uh, everyone knows that Vanessa and I are, are in the great state of Texas. I'm, I'm starting to think, Vanessa, maybe we should stop calling it the great state of Texas and just call it this place at the bottom of the United States because these people have lost their damn minds down here. And so it's just ridiculous what's going on. And the fact that the Supreme Court did not did not act on this thing, uh, you know, and it kind of goes back to the Trumpster. This guy was allowed to put three. Think about this for a second, folks. Just, just, just bear with me for a second here. This guy, a president that was twice impeached, a one-term president, was allowed to put not one, not two, but three Supreme Court justices on the high court. And this law proves that, God dang it, elections matter. And so this is something that is serious. I mean, the way this law is structured, Vanessa, if an Uber person gives you a ride to a clinic unknowingly, this person can be hit with a $10,000 charge because of this new law. Talk to me, Vanessa. Talk to me. Well, Uber stepped in and said that they would pay whatever fines pay if somebody turned them in uh, for taking a woman to the clinic, which I applaud Uber for that. 
and now they'll get my business different places other than Texas where I need Uber instead of Lyft. I'll just use Uber. So thank you, Uber, for doing that. Um, who did it? Lyft? Uber and Lyft did it. So, okay. But you know what? This is my thing. My thing is, my thing is, can we decide to castrate men uh, for raping women? Uh, can we decide to make men have vasectomies? No, we can't. But you want to decide what to do with my body. I think it's insane. Joe Biden is trying to step up to uh, the plate and, and the DOJ and everybody else is trying to step in. But we have to remember that Abbott is a Trumpster. And Abbott is trying to put everything into place that Trump wanted into place. So it's not, it's not shocking what he's doing. It's just so horrifying what he is doing um, to our children and, and setting us back 40, 50 years. And I, was, I, you know what, I never, forgive me, did tell people on the airplane to come and visit Texas because I always thought that Texas didn't really have anything to do here other than San Antonio. So I never told them to come into Houston. Uh, but I did tell people that Texas was a good place to move to because of the cost of living. But now that we got stupid Abbott, I just don't think that that's going to be a place that I would tell people to move to. But where do you move to that doesn't have a Republican Trumpster in the mix? So I don't know, Jay. I'm very disappointed in Texas. But believe me when I tell you there are some other people that that's, that's white and they are Republicans and they'll tell you and they, they're very disappointed with Abbott. They don't hide it. It's you know it's funny you say that because I was you know obviously uh, from a personal standpoint you know I have my mother here with me now uh, and uh, I remember her brother saying you don't want to go to Texas and I'm like Uncle Carl stop I need to get Mama here to take care of her and he's like you don't want to go to Texas and it's and, and that's the sentiment around the country no one wants to come here because of the nonsense that's going on around here. I mean, what this guy Abbott is doing is unbelievable. And because of the way uh, the districts are gerrymandered and, you know, the fact that a rural county that has 100 people has just as much say as a city that has a million is ridiculous. I mean, I just don't understand this. And the fact that that's the reason why Texas remains red, because the bottom line is, and I say this all the time, and I know it sounds like a broken record, you know, President Obama. Uh, President Biden, they all won the major metropolitan cities in the state of Texas, but they still lost the state. And it just goes to show you how this nonsense and how Republicans are just gerrymandering things and how they cheat to try to win and stay in power. You know, this guy, once again, a two-time impeached president, has put three Supreme Court justices on the high court. I mean, this is ridiculous. Let's bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit so, in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you? Good Let morning. Let me bring him in, Vanessa. Let me bring him in, Vanessa, and I'll come okay. back. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you, Vanessa. Go ahead. Okay. Happy okay. birthday, Jerome. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning Les. We're going to sing happy birthday to him during the segment of the show. Vanessa, he's letting you finish your thoughts. Sorry about that, Vanessa. Go ahead. Didn't mean well, to then, the, when we was out there, out there on the Lazy River, I posted some pictures of me and Bobby had been camping for nine days. The new head 
uh, says, <laughs> make Texas a country again. That's what the new hat says. And they're <laughs> not. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you. I took a picture and I forgot to send it to y'all. They only saw one Trump sign in nine days out there with them. So it's getting better. Um, and they were extremely, extremely nice to me and Bobby and the family was out there. I mean, it was just crazy how it was like they were overly being nice. Um, and so I, one of them, this man just loved talking to Bobby and the head says, make Texas a country again. And I just kind of looked at him. I, I don't know. I just thought that was crazy. Crazy. Mm, crazy indeed. Cra- crazy indeed. Well, well, Jerome, we're talking about the great state of Texas and the fact that these Republicans have lost their mind. And I talked about the consequences of elections and the fact that the Republicans, once again, are just cheating to remain in power. And the fact that they were able and still are able to do the things that they're doing, it's amazing because there are three justices on the Supreme Court because of, of the Republicans not allowing President Obama to name a justice when he had over a year left. And they steamrolled a lady through in you know less than 60 days. I think it was even less than that. It's just unbelievable when you watch how politics work. But give me your thoughts on this new law because women now – our neighboring states are saying they're being inundated with folks from Texas, and they're, they're and what they're saying is because of this new Texas law, there are people who reside in their states, their own state residents are not going to be able to get the much-needed care they need because women are running from this state, which is the second largest state in the nation, because these people have lost their damn mind here. Let's say you. Yeah, I think that um... – you know, there's a couple of things that need to happen. So the the game's not over just because Texas did that. What happened in Mexico, and I can't think of a state that's closest to Texas in Mexico, but they had really strict um, rules on abortion. They actually loosened all of them up. Like, as conservative as they are in Mexico, they were like, nope, you have a right to do this. So they just recently changed theirs within the last couple weeks to say, you know what, there is no prosecution for getting abortion. Because, you know, again, somebody's right to choose is kind of on them. Like imposing whatever your belief is on somebody kind of goes against the nature of, you know, sovereignty, like of the sovereignty of your body, that you get to do whatever it is that you want to do with your body and your system. Those are religious zealots, you know, that tell you what, God told you that you should do one way or another, right? We all have to our own responsibility and our own um, and our own willingness to participate in the system that supports our own beliefs. We all have that freedom to do. So to do that to someone else is crazy. And at the same time, Texas, for like the Uber drivers, even though Uber said that they will pick up any you know fines that they get. What needs to happen is that somebody needs to sue somebody for this so they can take it to the Supreme Court and overturn it because it's technically unconstitutional. What the Supreme Court ruled was that it was okay for them to make that law, but once they impose that on somebody, they're impeding on their freedoms. So I think there's a couple of constitutional scholars that actually talked about this and saying, no, that law needs to be challenged in court. Mm-hmm. It's not just that You're you right. can – you, you know, there's one thing that you can make laws, even if they're crazy, 
but once they get challenged, you can have them overturned. So what the Supreme Court did in the narrowly is they said, oh, yeah, it's okay for you to, um, to make a rule. Like, it's okay for them to make a rule, pretty much. Yep. But they didn't rule on abortion. So the bigger problem and the bigger question is it is legal to have abortion in this country. So until somebody sues them on the restrictions to abortion, like you can regulate anything, you know, and it's the irony of these crazy people, you know, Texas governor and Georgia's and Florida's governor, is these are the same people who are saying we cannot have school-age kids have vaccinations when you already make them have vaccinations. And then on the other hand, you're like, yeah. nope, we're, we're, gonna, we're going to take your funding if you give them a vaccination. They're just waiting to get sued so it can get overturned. So people make laws thinking that you're going to be afraid to sue them. So that's why the attorney general or the Justice Department needs to challenge it. And the first person that gets um, fined or arrested or anything for having abortion, they're going to take them to Supreme Court. They're hmm. just going to keep going that's back to court for this because it's illegal to do anyway. Did you hear what Dan Patrick said, that black people were the blame for Texas being so, uh, needing so many vaccines because we're not getting vaccinated? Did you, did you yeah. read that day? Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we I think we actually talked about that guy. Yeah, we yeah, talked about that, I think, last week, yeah, two weeks, three, two weeks ago, yeah, he made that comment. Yeah, we definitely addressed that when he made that comment about how black people, you know, the Democrats are talking about how uh, African-American, you know, everyone needs to be vaccinated, but, uh, you know, African-Americans are the ones that are not being vaccinated, and at the end of the day, that's the reason why Texas's numbers are high. Yeah, we definitely had that discussion okay. uh, a few weeks ago. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Got to step out. We're at, at a break. Uh, we'll come back, Jerome. We'll get your comments on the other side, and we'll also hear from all the two. It's the serious side right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These council binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me to think what I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in our class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. School shootings are preventable if you know the signs. Learn more at sandyhookpromise.org.
difficult to see why people are unhappy. Port-au-Prince is a hellhole of poverty. This is a functioning marketplace. It's hard to believe. The city looks like a battlefield. In parts it is, but these streets, destroyed in a huge earthquake a decade ago, haven't been rebuilt. The people say the president has failed to do anything, has overseen mass corruption, but worst of all, has allowed kidnapping for ransom to grow into the country's biggest growth business. Communities are terrorized by kidnap gangs. Now they barricade themselves in. Welcome back here, 347-850-1272 is our call-in number. It's 10 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious part of the Jay Ryle Show. Haiti is in trouble, already an economic disaster zone. Organized crime and kidnapping for ransom is out of control. But now it finds itself in the midst of a constitutional crisis with violent confrontations between anti-government protesters and the police happening on a daily basis. I wanted to spend some time to talk about Haiti. Uh, you know, because these people look like us. And so let's uh, start this segment off with you, Johnny D. You know, uh, man, I mean, this is a country that's been hit by uh, earthquakes, two major ones in the last, I don't know, 10 years maybe. Um, and what's happening with corruption, you know, the president was just assassinated there. I mean, this country's in trouble. And, and, you know, the United States, 
we find ourselves the policemen of the world. We're always doing different things with different folks. Why is it that Haiti, in my opinion at least, seems to always get the short end of the stick when it comes to help from the United States or from other countries? And maybe they're receiving the help, but it just seems to me that this country, even when this last earthquake hit, the country was still in ruins from an earthquake that happened years ago. I mean, so, I mean, talk to me, man. Give, give me your thoughts on Haiti and the progress there and, you know, and, and in your opinion, what needs to happen to, to make it a better place. Well, Jay, I tell you, um, we could probably talk for an hour and really wouldn't scratch the surface and the root of, of the, the turmoil that Hades has, has had to endure. Uh, a lot of it is self-imposed with corrupt leadership. Uh, you're right. Um, 2010 was when the, 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 the last major earthquake uh, hit and some 300,000 uh, Haitians died. And there was a lot of aid given uh, to Hades. Uh, they estimate uh, nearly a, a half billion dollars, which was, again, intercepted and distributed amongst the, the corrupt government officials and leaders. And then as the influx of gangs started to to increase and, 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 and populate, uh, that doesn't help either. Um, you know, when you look at just in July, you look at the assassination of the president, uh, Moise, he himself and really, you know, his, 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 his death, uh, I, I read a couple of days ago where they, they, um, they want to interview the prime minister because the prime minister was apparently talking to one of the major suspects on July the 7th, at least twice he communicated with the person. And of course, oh, wow. this is the day that the president was killed. So the corruption stems just deep. Um, the United States has been, I guess, as, as active and engaging, you know, uh, do do does the United States do more for for the darker colored nations and the darker colored persons? Uh, certainly not. So, you know, I, I won't fool myself with the entertainment and thought that that has occurred. But now, what's really uh, holding everything up is the fact that they're just now getting the gangs to agree to a truce so that the humanitarian. Uh, efforts can get through just the basics, the the water, the bread. But where do you think the money is going to? The money is going to pay the gang leaders so that they can open up the highways. You know, they had um, started to to use more air drops to get over the highways that the gangs and and stuff was uh, basically in control of and and taken over. So it's a major humanitarian crisis and. When you don't see Hades on the news, that in and of itself is is a major concern because what typically happens is that people just go on to the next uh, urgent situation, and that's what you what you have in Hades. Now, you know, of course, the the discord between the United States and and Hades goes back uh, several years. So, you know, to to think that it's this is something current is is not 
not uh, true. It goes really go, goes back to the to the Clinton era, where the Haitian people felt like the United States had um, basically incorporated. Uh, what's the, what was the guy's name? Jacques Pierre, or several years ago, and they wasn't happy with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, right. you know, he had to be exiled. So, in, in essence, Haiti really has not uh, necessarily advocated for the United States assistance. Uh, in any levels, uh, they don't like the way that they treat the Haitian people that try to come over into the United States as, re- as, as refugees in comparison to the way that they do the Cubans. So, <clears throat> you know, there has always been a, a bias. Uh, I had an opportunity <clears throat> back in 2008 to uh, go to Miami. Uh, they They had a a gang-related shooting at one of the malls in in Miami. So um, I I was contracted to come down and educate the local law enforcement and some community leaders on the Haitian gang. So I spent a week in and around the Haitian uh, community in Miami and really got a fondness and an understanding. But, you know, make no mistake, uh, they don't warm kindly to, to you know, Americans, particularly African-Americans. Uh, so, um, you know, that that's a relationship that, that you would think would be a little bit more genuine, but it's not. And, uh, you know, you, Jay, you go back to our military days and, and Brother Khalif, you know, so uh, – and, and uh, he was a Haitian uh, – Native, a good brother, but um, that relationship is something that we should work harder on, uh, but mm. also understand that um, some things, you know, it's, it's just not going to be, you know, resolved with, with some kind gestures right. or what have you, because, you know, what, what, it, what has happened is you still have, unfortunately, that Willie Lynch theory and syndrome where, you know, Jamaicans and Africans and Haitians, you know, even though in in Dominicans, even though we may be all darker colored persons, we all fight amongst one another because that that stigma and that stereotype. So uh, the country is in in apparel. It really and truly is. And uh, you've got 2,200 deaths that's come out of this particular earthquake. And, again, Mm -hmm. they're investigating the prime minister, for being part right. of potentially being part of an order and potentially in and orchestrating the death of it's President Mose. Yeah. So um it's it's just it's it's uh interesting. Like I said, we could talk for an hour and really wouldn't scratch the surface. I am glad to see exactly. that the roadways and stuff are, are are opening up now and the gangs have allowed the passage. But again, they're getting more powerful and rich because they yeah. right now they are controlling the country. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the corruption. It kind of reminds me of what's going on in Afghanistan. I don't know why the United States – I guess there's really no way you can figure out, okay, uh, if we're going to send money into a country, uh, Jackie, then we need to make sure that you know there's no corruption in place because millions and millions and billions of dollars are being sent to these places, and folks are just taking this money. And, and it's – you know, I just wish – the, the government is more um, – when they give – listen, like, for example, SBA loans, right? Like, if you're a small business, especially minority-owned business, you know, they send a person out <laughs> to make sure that you can prepare to get your SBA loan. And it seems to me that they monitor that process 
Now, I know I'm talking apples and oranges are, you know, a, a, a bigger picture, but it just seems to me they put more things in place to ensure that the funds are being spent, spent the right way with an SBA loan versus sending billions of dollars to these countries, and they're lining their pockets. You know, think about what happened in Afghanistan. I mean, we spent money, bukus of money, and then that place collapsed in 11, in 11 days. And like Johnny talked about with Haiti, all the money has come there. Now these people are getting rich off money that the U.S. and other countries ate that's floated into that country. I mean, what can we do? How can the, the U.S. and other countries make sure that they put fail-safes in place, Jackie, so when – when catastrophes happen and when they send money in, it's not just going in the pockets of those corrupt individuals. Well, Jay, that's a good question. I mean, that's a good question. I don't, I don't really have the answer because if it's people there who are corrupt and, like you said, lining their pockets, I mean, it's on their end to make sure they get uncorrupt people to handle the business uh, or, or maybe we need to uh I, I i hate to say um you know we 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 really then can't send money until some stuff is is in place to where they they handle they get the right people handling that business i mean i hate to say that and then it makes sense to not send the money if it's not going in the right places and being handled by the right people, it's on their end to to have someone in place to check on that stuff. I I don't know how you can, uh, I I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can assure that. I don't know, Mr. Elliott, same question for you. What do you think? Well, Jay, I don't know. To be honest, uh, it's a conundrum, man, to be honest, because you can't, you know, I, I believe that with, with Haiti, let's just be honest, they don't have nothing that we need. If they had oil fields and everything huh. else, we would be in there. Wow. We've been there with military might. We've been there taking everything over. We've been there trying to make them just like the United States. So uh, wow. they don't have anything that we need. They're a poor country. And, you know, they're black folks. So, you know, look, 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 what, look what China's doing to Africa. Think about what China's doing in Africa right now. They're taking it over. Why? Because Africa's a rich nation and, and all, the, all the stuff that we need in the ground. That, that's, that's it. Money rule. Greed is, greed is killing the world, bro. Let's call it what it is. Wow. I mean, Vanessa, what about what Mr. Elias just said? I never thought of that. I mean, the fact that he said they have nothing. We, there's, there's nothing that we need. Three minutes left in the segment. What, 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 what do you think about that? They <laughs> have nothing that we need. Uh, you know what? I still feel sorry for the people in the smaller countries in Haiti and other places that just don't have, and um, they don't. Stuff happens over there, and it takes forever in the day to get the blocks moved, the rocks moved, the equipment and stuff that's in there that they need. Um, my church. Uh, contributes uh, to two families over there, families of five over in Haiti, and uh, oh, wow. it's called the, it begins with, I just heard them on Magic 102 saying give money to the organization yesterday, and I can't think of it, but um, they asked each member to donate $38 a month to make oh. sure that those two families, oh, for those families, 
have five children each. Five. Wow. And so the pastor goes over there periodically to check to make sure that um, the money and stuff that we're donating through this organization um, is actually going to the people that those families in Haiti. So my heart goes out to them, and it's nothing that Haiti could ever do for anybody else, but it's a lot that we could do for them and other smaller countries. But you do have to check to see where your money's going, where your time is going. And so, anyway, uh, I know we're up on the minute, so I'm backing off. But um, we don't have a problem when we have to pay out $38 each uh, right. towards the families that we take care of in Haiti. So, interesting. No, that's good to hear that. Wow, yeah. that's good to hear. That. I'm glad to hear that that uh, there are churches, local churches, doing things like that. All right, three minutes left, Jerome. That time's yours. Give me your thoughts on Haiti. Oh well, you know I wouldn't know, wouldn't know where to begin. I know this is going to be like history class again, but you know his, yeah. Haiti's issue with us, like just generally with European countries, is that nobody likes to mess with Haiti because they can't control Haiti, right? Huh. So okay. they actually. You know, again, this was early on with the Clinton Foundation and all of those guys buying up all that land, trying to get the Marriott and all those guys in there in Haiti. And it was problematic that European countries or businesses want to control that island. And since they freed all of these other countries, again, you can look at who we hate in the United States, you know, the the Colombians and Guatemalans and, and all of those other – those are those countries. Haiti freed them once Haiti freed themselves from colonizers. So when you look at it, you're like, why do we hate Nicaragua or Venezuela? Oh, wait a minute. It's because Haiti actually sent military to free them to kick the occupiers out of those countries as well. So we have a have a problem, right? Like with European countries, they will not go into your country unless you totally. Um, kind of turn over your will to whatever way of life and join the World Bank and do all of these other things that they're making them do. We're manipulating Haiti, no doubt, you know, by backing one side opposed to the other. But as far as helping them um, become stable, you know, I wouldn't blame the Haitian people for that because, you know, just like regular gangs in, in America, people form gangs when they don't have anything. Right, it's a form of brothers, not not necessarily of a brotherhood, but more of a necessity, you know, to eat. People sell drugs not because they like selling drugs. A lot of times, it's because they're not eating. So, when we start looking at Haiti, we don't look at them like Afghanistan, for example. Afghanistan opioid trade increased like crazy because those crops of selling opium, um, it, it's more lucrative than them trying to grow peas and corn because they can't do that because the, the land's barren, right? So they sell drugs. They sell opium. So while we were there for 20 years, we never stopped any drugs from leaving, um, <laughs> leaving Afghanistan. That's where most of our the opioid drugs come from is Afghanistan. So we look at countries and we think that they're really simple solutions of, hey, you know what, we're going to, you know, pretty much, send them aid money and they're and the people won't accept it and they're gangs and we start blaming the um the effects 
without understanding what the cause is. And Haiti has a long history of, you know, just kind of kicking out colonizers. And we as, you know, in European countries, they don't get along with anybody who does that. Until they can back somebody that is going to do the bidding for one of these countries, whether it's France, whether it is Spain, like whomever, unless they are backing somebody, all the other European countries will not help Haiti. So as good what Vanessa said about her church helping, and I have friends in Haiti to Delin and all of those guys who've gone to Haiti and who's helped people on the ground. But you have to remember, even when they sent the Red Cross in there, they sent a, there was a bunch of pedophiles that Haiti had to prosecute from sending international workers into Haiti. They were preying on wow. children. So you would say, why wow. would Haiti be so resistant of, of, of European countries? It's because go back a couple of years. And see what the international workers were doing to children in Haiti, and you you have to answer to that question. So it's very it's pretty wow. more it's a little bit more complex than that, but mainly that you know Haiti does not get any support from other countries, especially European countries, because they are pretty much being boycotted by everybody who can't control Haiti. Wow. You know, yeah, and I think that that's U.S. policy across the board. Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back after this.
America is starting to breathe again. A decent man as president, a plan to protect us. It feels almost normal, but it's not. Republicans still will not admit that President Biden was legally elected, which means they don't believe in democracy. They believe an election is only legitimate if they win. That's not democracy. Their plan? Pass voter suppression bills to block minorities from voting. Take back Congress. Impeach President Biden. We refuse. We refuse to accept the end of the American experiment. We refuse to allow anti-democratic autocrats to steal our country. We choose to fight. And we will not lose. Join us. which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. I'm going to say good morning to our peace. Let's start with Vanessa. Good morning. Vanessa, how are you? I promise you Vanessa's here. Good morning to Vanessa. Jackie, good morning to you. I'm sorry. Good morning. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, (laughs) Vanessa. Good morning, Jackie. Okay, she's here too. All right, good morning to my main man, uh, Johnny D, in the place to be. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Oh, I was ready to say, if he didn't answer, I'm, I'm just going to leave. All right, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spreeze in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm good, man. How are you? Doing outstanding. Mr. Elias, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you, my brother. And one, good morning, Nathan. One, good morning, sister. One, good morning, Kathleen. One, good morning, Mama B. And good morning, Mary and the Music. And Mary and the Music, that first one is called It's Yours. It's by DJ G Day Cam Quartet, featuring Involved. And that other one was Still in Love with You by Al Green. And good morning, yeah, my brother, Paul. Right. And happy birthday, my brother Jerome. And good morning to you. In Washington this morning, the Capitol Police fully exonerated the officer who shot and killed 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt inside the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th riot. A Capitol Police memo obtained by NBC News says that after an internal investigation, quote, no further action will be taken in this matter. The officer opened fire on the Air Force veteran as she and a group of other Trump supporters tried to forcefully enter the Capitol. The Justice Department announced in April that no charges were being brought against the officer. Were you afraid that day? I was very afraid. Were you, are you afraid now? Going I am. I am afraid because I know there's people that disagree 
with my actions on January the 6th. But I hope they understand I did my job. And there was imminent threat and danger to the members of Congress. Seven eight five zero one two seven two. The police officer who fatally shot Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran who was amongst the pro-Trump rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, was, has revealed his identity for the first time speaking about the threats he's received since the riot. Capitol Police Officer Lieutenant Michael Byrd told NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt that there have been racist and very vicious and cruel things said about him. It's all disheartening because I know I was doing my job, he said in an interview that was released two weeks ago. The threats have made him concerned about revealing his identity, but he said, I believe I showed the utmost courage on January 6th, and it's time for me to do that now. Kudos to you, my brother. I'm not sure if I'd have done it, but let's start right there. So, you know, for the first time, uh, I didn't realize that an African-American uh, officer was the one who shot Ashley Babbitt. Now, if we talked about that when it happened. Uh, we talked about her and her racist rants. And, and I'm not going to say racist because that's not, what, that's not true. She was ranting about uh, Trump and, and how people were still in the election and, and how, you know, Kamala Harris wasn't doing the things she should be doing in California. She was really stoked. She was one of these people who became really true believers, and she drank the Kool-Aid, hook, line, and sinker. And if you watch the video of her unfortunate death, guns were drawn. That chamber, those doors led to where members of Congress were. And when they busted out the door and she jumped through, he fired, killing her with one single shot. Donald Trump has turned this into making her a mortar, and instead of, you know, let me stop right there because I, I just don't understand how we get to this place. I, I don't understand it. I'm not sure if Jackie's back with us. I don't understand how we get to this place where a person who was trying to jump through a window that that was – remember, they had that door barricaded. And so she's coming through the window – Hindsight's twenty twenty. Now we know she was a veteran of the Air Force. Now we know that she was a female. But while you're standing there watching this mob of people come through here and try to bust through the door, you don't know who it is. And I think, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was the only Capitol Police officer who discharged his weapon on that day, if I'm not mistaken. And it just so yeah, you're happened correct. to be. You're correct. Yeah, so, so, so he's the only one. But 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 let me let me let me start with you, uh, uh, Jerome, on this segment. Do you think? It, why do you think he decided to uh, tell the world who he was? Well, I I would think. Well, I don't know, but I would think that he decided to do it just because it's kind of a hiding in plain sight thing. Because the Republicans huh. was making him like a boogeyman, right? And they were like, right. "Who's the who's the officer?" And that thing started going viral. And so you don't want somebody stalking you because it went out on some Republican whatever website. Get out and tell your story. And it, it's probably better that he did that. But at the same time, as many police officers are, are killing black folks that are unarmed, and we'd be like, they were just doing their job, how come white folks can try to break through the barricade and go through some building unlawfully and then expect them to not use force to get them up out of there? They weren't going there to give them some publisher's clearinghouse check. 
Why do you think they were trying to break through the barricade? So if she's going to jump her butt through a, through a barricade, she needs to get shot. So, so when yeah. somebody says that, and, you know, if you fear for your life, he, he, he probably carries an, 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 um, a weapon legally. Shoot him. Right? Yeah. I don't mean to be that cold, but I am telling you is that white folks get to break the law and then act like they're the doggone victims. So we, we do news stories, and we're trying to rationalize somebody's behavior, and that's just off the rails. First of all, mm. they broke the law by entering um, illegally, so they should have lit them all up with stun guns and, and um, doggone gas. You know, they should have pepper sprayed them all. And mm. what are you going to go back to? Again, if we look at this in reverse, if this was the other way around, yeah. when – uh, I'm sorry, when um, Occupy Wall Street was sitting in the park, some fools was lighting them up with, with, um, with gas and stuff, trying to get them from sitting in the park. Wasn't talking to nobody, wasn't doing anything, just sitting there. And these fools were breaking through windows and climbing through, and we get to discuss this like they're rational. They should all be still thrown in a hole right now. I don't feel yeah, any empathy for them. You know what, and the thing that's so crazy about it, uh, uh, John is at well, Miko, you for that. So the thing that's so crazy about it is the fact that they're having another rally uh, to try to talk about these people, uh, the, the injustice that I, <laughs> the injustice, the fact that these people were were patriots, and the fact that you know, let's support them. The J six uh, support support the people that were illegally arrested. I mean, these people are not so. When you think about this nonsense. So we have four minutes left in the segment. Hey, give me your thoughts on it, Vanessa. It's just, my goodness. First of all, the bravery of this officer. But Jerome made a lot of sense with what he said because had he not come out and told the world who he was, now people can, in a weird way, we can kind of keep our eye on him now because it's not a name that's being passed among these dark websites. Now everyone knows who he is, and I think more attention uh, will be uh, will be placed on this man, and so maybe that will make him safer. Give, give me your thoughts on this in the three minutes we have left. Okay, you know, this is real quick. It's, when it came time to give him a medal or uh, some kind of thing of honor, um, they voted. The Republicans voted against him getting it. He saved. He saved. He saved their lives. Yep. Saved their lives, and they voted against this man being honored for what he did because they said that those people were tourists. You know what? We got three minutes. I'm done. All I can say is karma is going to be something else for them. It's unreal. It really is unreal. You're right. They voted. It's John, uh, we're two minutes yeah. out. Let me give you a minute. Give us still the answer a minute. Let me give you a minute, man. Give me a comment on this. But this is weird. Just oh, give right. me a comment on it real quick. Well, I tell you wow. what, real quickly, and I try to be as brief as I possibly can, um, make no mistake uh, that this was an, an act of, of, of war, okay? Um, it was a, mm. a, a terroristic act. Um, the, the gentleman uh, – Killed an enemy combatant. And if you remember, four of them died on that yep. day. And then you had one hero that died, which was Officer Sicknick. Um, 
those those alt-right websites had already started publicizing who he was. So to come out formally, uh, I certainly agree with Jerome, to do it in mainstream media now. Does that offer real blanket of protection? No, but it, but it does at least take the mystery and the mystique out of it. Yep. But but he did exactly what he was supposed to do, what he was sworn to do, and should be recognized as as one of bravery and one who who again uh, killed an enemy combatant. So we can say Air Force, yep. we can say anything. But in 2006, legislation was signed in to say that U.S. citizens can be enemy combatants, and that's what those individuals were. So uh, we can chalk it up how we want to, but that's that that yeah. was the reality on January the sixth. Well, I like the way you brought that home, man. I love that. But still, yes, man, you get the last word, man. Last six seconds belong to you. Well, bottom line is, you know, this one, I mean, if somebody's breaking into your house, what's the first thing you do? You protect yourself. And, hey, they told them, don't come in here. Don't come in. Don't. Don't. And she she climbed her, herself through that window, man, and he, he did what any person would do. Any person would do. You were trying to breach mm. the Capitol. And, and and for for you to act like like all these senators and congressmen act like oh there was nothing going on when you were barricading <laughs> the door and that that clown said that it was like a normal day where people were what he couldn't tell if it was somebody visiting the Capitol then why did your ass barricade the door barricade the door they say you know man you know if you look at it it was all kind of uh, officers in here protecting the Capitol. Oh, all kinds. And these people went and testified in front of a committee. And, and, and for those, for the Republicans that say that they love blue lives and blue lives matter, they can kiss my ass. They'll, they, they showed who they are. Blue lives matter as long as it doesn't affect me, my white skin. That's what it is. Mm. Look at you trying to bring it yeah, on. Jay, that's Jay, right. Jay, can I say this real quick? Jay, can I say Absolutely. 30, absolutely. Absolutely. All 30 right. seconds. So okay. h- here we go. I, t- I tell you what the criminal act is, okay, certainly uh, Lieutenant Byrd's name is mentioned and should be mentioned as the, as the hero, but because of certain HR acts, the six officers, the six capital officers that was disciplined for failing to do their job and making comments, uh, you know, racial comments and stuff and basically aiding some of the – some of those uh, – those terrorists, their names will never come out because of HR regulations and policies. So you had six individuals who was disciplined for failing to do the right thing. Oh, wow. Didn't know that either. Look at that, boy. Knowledge you only get here on the serious side. Appreciate you, y'all. All right, it's time for an NPR News update. And uh, Pastor Steve, state your case right around the corner. You're listening to the serious side. This message comes from NPR sponsor Cliff Kidd, makers of V-Bar, the organic whole grain snack bar that active kids love. It's time to get back to school and slaying dragons at recess because imagination needs fuel. Learn more at cliffkid.com. Cleanup underway in the Canadian province of Newfoundland after Hurricane Larry blew through with sheets of rain and wind and Carpentruck reports on the damage. Down power lines and branches, uprooted trees and scattered debris and roofs ripped from homes. Some fishing wharves have been washed away. Hurricane Larry struck late Friday night, bringing torrential rains and wind gusts in excess of 110 miles an hour across Newfoundland's Avalon Peninsula. Storm surges pushed waves onto roads. St. John's Mayor Danny Breen says there is a significant amount of tree and property damage. 
adding that it could have been worse. No one was hurt. By Saturday evening, thousands were still without electricity. A music event tent was stripped to its metal frame and winds tore part of the roof from an elementary school. Officials are asking people to stay indoors so crews can clean up the debris. For NPR News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. On mainland China, authorities have issued typhoon warnings for the city of Shanghai and are warning of the potential for torrential rains and typhoon drenched Taiwan with up to five inches of rain. Officials suspended airline flights and train service on the island and media reports say more than 2,000 people were evacuated from flood-prone areas. Pope Francis celebrated Mass in Budapest today. He also met with Viktor Orban, Hungary's Prime Minister, whose hardline stance on migration clashes with the Pope's calls for refugees to be welcomed. Orban has said that he is defending Hungary's Christian identity. Francis said today that Hungary can't preserve its Christian roots while opening up to the needy. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. All right, welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is time for Pastor Steve Stacher Case. We read comments from the world famous chat room and from social media, and we have a few we want to read. Get out to you folks. Uh, Pastor Steve obviously is in the house as always. He says, it's been blessings, family, and he says, uh, "Look here, welcome back, fam. I know that I can speak for your listening audience. We missed you." We understand that y'all need to take some time off, but this show is a part of our weekly regimen and routine, so stop taking time off. Well, Pastor, when you stop <laughs> praising the Lord, <laughs> we'll stop taking time off. Okay, okay, all right. That sounds like a winner, winner chicken dinner. Thank you, Pastor. We understand. All right, Freddie from the DMV. DMV, DMV. Oh, okay, I know what that means. All right, glad that y'all are back. I thought that y'all were gone permanently. No, Freddie, we are still in the house. Heather from West Texas. Thanks for talking about Haiti. I learned some things this morning. We appreciate you. That's what we try to do. Sabrina from San Antonio, Texas. She says, I live in Texas, and I am ashamed of what this state has become. To use a phrase that Jay uses from time to time, if I wake up and see that Governor Greg Abbott died during the night, I wouldn't blink an eye. God bless. Sabrina. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, I hey. don't know if you're going to say that. Didn't say God bless afterwards. I'm not sure. Isn't that like contradictory or whatever the case no. may be? No, it's uh, not. Uh, She's telling the truth. She's telling the truth. Nobody asked you nope. to tell us. My goodness, you and your rebel ways. Jesus Christ. And to borrow phrase of Jay, what is she talking about? I don't use that phrase. What is she saying? Come yes, on, you did. Did you yes, you did. Yes, you do. Stop lying. Stop lying. Well, what Stop lying. What, wait, what, are you talk, what are you talking about? When Rush Limbaugh, this Rush Limbaugh, oh, he said if you, okay, if you right. woke up one morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And on that note, yeah. you know what time it is. Online radio at its best. All right. It is time for our final thoughts. And uh, Vanessa, give me your final thoughts. I have uh, been looking through my phone while I was in the car sitting in traffic trying to get into the stadium. Um, but if the name of the group and the organization and Magic 102 Radio Station here in Houston also speaks on it, Bahasia, is uh, Compassion International. That's who my okay. church uh, sets up with. And if you hear them say Compassion International, it is a legitimate uh, church. So I just wanted you guys okay. to know that because I do believe that Haiti needs all the help that they can 
get from us privately if we can. So uh, other than that, I don't have anything to say about Abbott as far as what happens to him in his life. I just know that I dislike him. I'm not going to say hate because that's an ugly word. And I just know that he has to reap all of the things that he is doing to Texas. And, and this man is already disabled and already has enough challenges. So ain't no use to me wishing nothing on him that'll come back on mm. me. But uh, I just think that if you get out and you vote, I'm going to repeat okay. for the people in the back. If you get out and you vote, because your vote matters, you will see the difference in in getting out voting and getting these people out. These Trump people out. So y'all have a good week. Uh, Les and Jay, I will talk to y'all soon. Johnny D and Jerome, smooches to y'all, and I talk to you a lot anyway, Jackie. So y'all have a great week, and I thank y'all for allowing me to be on the show and voice my business. No. Well, you know, we thank you for being here. We love you to death, and this show would not be really? what it is without you. So uh, we thank you. We should be thanking you. I appreciate your big sis. Love you. All right, uh, Johnny D. Bank, give me a final thought. Okay, Johnny, Johnny D., uh, we'll wait for him. Uh, well, maybe he's muted. All right. Jerome. Okay, oh, no. Okay, my bad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just talking. I've been talking for two minutes, man. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, uh, Miss Vanessa and Mr. Bobby, a happy anniversary, and Brother Jerome. Uh, you, you, missed my, you missed my Luther Vandross rendition of happy birthday to you. Ooh, so while I was on mute, I was. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but happy birthday to you, um, and and just glad to be back. And like I say, uh, everyone is in my prayers and thoughts. And um, like I say, God bless everyone. All right, man, appreciate you, Johnny. Johnny D, thank you so much. All right, Jerome, and the birthday boy. Uh, final thoughts. <laughs> well, you know, I I want to um, say thanks to everybody for for wishing me a happy birthday, and. Um, Many blessings to all of you. I, the thing that I enjoy about my birthday is that I get to speak to people who I don't ha- often get a chance to talk to. So, you know, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for the text. Thanks for everything. So that's all I have until our next segment will go on. So, All right. My man, Mr. Jerome is free. All right. Uh, Mr. Kelly has the final thoughts. I got a couple of things I want to say. The first thing is happy birthday to you, Jerome. And happy anniversary to my favorite couple, Bobby and Vanessa. And the next thing I want to say is, folks, get vaccinated. Get it, get it, get it. I lost a cousin Tuesday, lived in Jacksonville, Florida. He was 61 years old. He was a Navy veteran. He was in great shape. And he wasn't vaccinated. Folks, get vaccinated. You know, and then my ex-wife called me and told me my brother-in-law my ex-brother-in-law is in the hospital because he didn't get vaccinated. Folks, get vaccinated. If it, I mean, if, it, if, if you don't want to get vaccinated, put on your mask. If you, if you think that the government is trying something shady, put on your mask. Wear your mask everywhere. Stay six feet away. Do what you got to do. Stay diligent. But folks, if you don't get vaccinated, this thing will go on and on and on and on and on. So... 
I'm, I'm off my soapbox, you know. My cousin was buried uh, uh, yesterday. 61 years old. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to you and the family. Absolutely, man. Thank you for sharing. And Mr. Elias's message about getting vaccinated is something that we definitely need to take heed to. Let me take a few minutes to say once again, like everyone else said, happy anniversary to you, Vanessa and Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. And, uh, of course, the birthday boy, my main man, Mr. Jerome Breeze in the house. Happy belated birthday to my mother. Uh, Miss uh, Dorothy Neville, she had a birthday on uh, September 5th. We wasn't on the air. Uh, but speaking of my mother, uh, I just want to just take this opportunity to thank God for me having my mother in my life. Uh, I talk about uh, a lot of amongst my friends, uh, some of the things and challenges and tribulations that I'm dealing with as far as, you know, providing care for my mother, full-time care for my mom. Uh, because she has been diagnosed with uh, uh, dementia. And um, so for those out there who are dealing with those things, people, you know, some of our listening audience, if you have some suggestions and ideas, please make sure you pass those along. Because, you know, when you deal with stuff like this, uh, seeing it up close and personal, and um, it, could, it could be tough. And so uh, for me, my mother... Uh, an educator for years and uh, you know one of the smartest women that I, that I know and the thing her most powerful asset is spelling her um, and it's just hard to watch but you know the bottom line is I'm just grateful and I thank God every day that uh, you know I have the opportunity to spend with her so if you have a loved one that's going through it uh, make sure you seek out the proper organizations to get the help you need if you're providing care for a person that's in that condition in that situation you know once again reach out to those who are in like situations that you are in and try to provide comfort and support all right nfl season starts well thank god she raised a strong man brother thank god she raised a strong man to take care of appreciate thank god for that appreciate that appreciate that mr elias all right um nfl season starts uh in just today and i want to take a few minutes i want to do three games this week and uh get my my brother's opinions on some games that are going down this week here real quick uh before we get out of here i'm gonna pick three so uh let's start with pittsburgh and buffalo mr elias who do you have in that game i got buffalo in that one jay i got buffalo what about what about you jerome who you taking i'm gonna go with colin kaepernick chuck Whoever Colin Kaepernick is picking, I'm picking. <laughs> oh, well, I guess you're not I'll picking go, anymore. I'll, 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 go with, uh, I'll, go with, I'll go with Buffalo, but I'm still going to take Colin Kaepernick do the segment. Well, well, John, I'm not even going to ask you because I know who you're going, so we're just going to skip right Pittsburgh, past that one. All right, let's go. He's going with Pittsburgh. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I said. Philly and Atlanta. Who you got, Johnny? Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Who for you? Yep. Mr. Elias, real quick, who do you have? I'm a guy, I, 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 hate to, I hate to disagree with Johnny, and I hate to agree with you, but I'm going with Philadelphia. There you go. And uh, go ahead, Mr. Mr. Spreeman, who do you have, brother? Yeah, I'm going I'm to go with Philly because I really wanted to pick Pittsburgh, but I just didn't, just didn't feel it. So I'm going to go with Philly this time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, my man. I love it. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. I was that. Well, I tell you what, they've they, they've officially succeeded in blackballing that brother, man. All right, Mr. Elias. If it's yes. Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, man, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. 
folks, we appreciate you listening. We thank you so much. We promise we'll try to make sure we're here in the house more often. All right, so for uh, Johnny D, for Vanessa, for Jackie, for Miss Delias, for Jerome, I'm Jay Ross here. Have a wonderful work week. It is the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. All right, coming up next, only need to know basis of my main man, Mr. Jerome Spring. Keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 Five, four, three. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. All right, folks, it is time for on a need-to-know basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Spree. Man, Jerome, man, what do you have for us this morning? Well, you know, before we get started, you know, I wanted to, first of all, say, I don't know why I was surprised by the football stuff this week as football started, but yeah. I want to bring up specifically the um, team that I don't like, and that would be the New England Patriots and them getting rid of Cam Newton. So before we start news, I think we need to hash this out. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I'm going to say um, it just adds another um, Colin Kaepernick onto my the, the fire, the log of fires um that they're burning with me with the NFL. Cam Newton, I'm no big fan of Cam Newton, but they right, just right, discarded right. Him. They discarded him like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, he's he, trash. He was the MVP. He did whatever, mm-hmm. but we're gonna just put some rookie in there, and it just reminds yep. me of every archetype of every movie. It does not matter how smart you are, how strong you are, how fast you are. There is some little white kid that knows nothing that they will replace your butt with at the drop of a dime. Now, now, okay. now wait a minute. Now, 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 hold on. Let me give, give you my opinion on that because I think what happened, look, first of all, I've never been a fan of Bill Belichick because people talk about he's some great genius. The bottom line is, is that the reason why Tom Brady came in the game because Drew Bledsoe got hurt. So don't act like he wouldn't found Tom Brady or whatever. To me, he lucked into that situation. And you see what's going on now that Tom Brady's gone. But they were saying Cam Newton was walking around like he owned the dang old place and was acting like some prima donna. But I'm with you, Jerome. I mean, listen, the way that happened, but at the end of the day, you know, Cam Cam is not who he is. He, you can't be running around here thinking you a superstar no more, dude. You, can't, you, you are not on that level. Get, get a backup job and just, you know, do it. You know, the father time, that's what do we say all the time? The only undefeated joke around here is who? Father Time. Father, Father Time can take you out. You know, so, hey, bro, you ain't who you are. You ain't who you think you ain't who you used to be. Period. Okay. Now, I like the way they did it. I'm with you, Jerome, on that. I like the way they did that. That was crazy. Crazy. All right. All right. Flat out and, crazy. and before before you go, LES, I just want to run this disclaimer. The thoughts of J. Rao are just J. Rao's by his damn self. <laughs> I don't miss everybody. <laughs> I take my birthday wishes back. I take my birthday wishes back then. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> we are not bashing him and his personality on this because there's a lot of people quarterbacks. And I don't know why Rothenberger is still at Pittsburgh yep. when he raped whatever mm-hmm. he did to that woman. Uh, don't get and, me started uh, on that. 
Exactly. So I'm not I'm not even quick to do that. LES, I'm sorry, I need to let you go. I had to run the disclaimer. <laughs> All right, well fine. <laughs> Brothers have a great show, man. <laughs> no, 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 don't leave. I was just saying oh. those comments are yours because oh. again, you know me and bashing of my people on their personality when it comes to do with business stuff. We make excuses for getting rid of black people, but for white folks, they can rape unconscious women, and they're like, yeah, but they're good in a third down situation if it's long. <laughs> like, they don't make excuses for their play <laughs> on the field. And their <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right, gentlemen. I, I got to feed leave. my mama, so kidding. talk to me. Elias, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Yes, my brother. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying I didn't hear your your thought on cap on the um the um. Oh man, I thought it was I thought it was bull. To be honest, I thought it was uh-huh. bull. That man had he had he had all and of course he got injured, and then they got rid of him, and then he had all season, and then I, I would really like to. I got I was arguing with a guy. I said I really wanted to see what he was going to do this season. I really would, you know, because you know he played injured. He was hurt, so. That was just my thought process. I was thinking to myself, you know, that, you know, how many times have people gotten hurt and they let them come back in and then they don't do nothing about it? You know, it's just, to me, it's crazy. I don't know. I, I think they should gave Colin Kaepernick more. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's getting Kaepernick. Cam Newton. <laughs> I, think, I think they should have gave Cam Newton a chance to see what he could do this year. And then if he was horrible, then you do what you do. But just to sit yeah. there and act like, he was, you know, he was trash because he wasn't, he wasn't who he was last year. He's recovering from an injury. So, you know, yeah. y'all, y'all let these other people recover from injuries and come back and don't just don't say nothing to them. Nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to get that out because I know we didn't, you know, didn't talk about that. And we don't talk about sports much like that. But it just seems to me that that's an impression thing that we watch out for everybody else. Like, no matter what happens, is that, yeah, his personality probably sucks. I don't actually like Cam Newton, honestly. So that's when he was at the Well, Panthers. yeah, his personality does suck. You know, and yeah. there's no doubt. So, his personality does suck. That's been proven. But, <laughs> right. Been but proven. I'm saying, like, the, to hold him in a different, in a, in a different like, light to everybody else just shows that he's easily discarded no matter how good he is. And, you know, I um, speaking of, uh, I was going to say Donovan McNabb, somebody like Don, like, he was kind of pretty much blackballed out of the list as out of the league as well. I mean, he was still mm-hmm. like able to play when nobody else picked him up. And you know, I don't mean to do personal disclaimers, but we're both alumni of Syracuse University, and you know, I actually know Donovan. But I, I I'm not saying that for my personal feelings. I thought he retired. Saying, yeah, I thought he, he retired, retired after he played with the Redskins and stuff because somebody picked him up. I thought he was done. No, no, okay. my bad. No, he he was he was still working out. He retired because the the way the league works is that he was moved from Philly to uh, to a team who was struggling, and then the coach pretty much would not play him for whatever reason that he didn't want to play him. He didn't age out of that. He was not unproductive. He's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame, and they treated him like trash. Whereas. They usually let other quarterbacks kind of age out and retire or whatever, or running backs or whomever. But they treat black players like they're doggone, you know, yep. like they're playing checkers. That, that was 
That was why that was a trade of Washington. That's a chase of Washington's uh, team. Uh, think about what happened with RG three. He was a, yep. he was a dominant quarterback when he first started out, and he got hurt. And then they kept him. They they made him. They like instead of saying, "Dude, you got a future here. Sit out. I don't care if you want to play. You ain't gonna play. Sit your ass down." No, they said, "Hey man, come on play. Come on, right? Come on, go in that game." He was and hurt. he got hurt, and that was it. Well, mm-hmm. they knew he was hurt, and then they kept playing him while he was hurt, and they trashed him, and then they blamed him for not being productive. Yep. You know what I mean? So they treat those they yep. treat those guys very differently, as uh, you know, is um, all I want to say about that. That as we look at athletes, no matter who they are, whether it's football or basketball or whatever, those athletes are treated horribly most of the time, even though some of them as athletes are horrible you know, personality-wise, they all still get treated the same, whether you're a good guy. Like I said, I, Donovan, um, even as a person, is, a, is is really cool people. And the way he was treated was the same way that Cam is, being, is treated. He probably won't even come back in the league, even though people are like, oh, other teams have interest in him. Just think of what happened to Jameis Winston. Just think of the, mm-hmm. how they move those guys, no matter how good they are. They treat them like they're trash until they become trash, right? So one Donovan Donovan brought uh, Mike uh, Mike Vick to uh, he's the one who vouched for Mike Vick to get him to Philadelphia. Yeah. Didn't know that, but yeah, he vouched for him to get him there. Yeah, I'm, you know I have to vouch for that that guy. I mean, again, I haven't been around Donovan in years, but I can tell you his personality. He is going to look out. He's just kind of one of those people. But on the business end of pro sports, anybody can get it. They get treated like like trash. So, you know, and speaking of, Donovan, this this week was our coming back together. It's the black and Latino alumni of Syracuse University. I did not make it this year. But, you know, shout out to all those people who did make it. My girl Maya and Monique and all of those guys who, who, um, who worked. And, and helped out there, and all the folks who wished me happy birthday, I didn't want to leave them out as well. I know my brother Marcel in, in Louisville and everybody who I've gotten texts and emails from, I just want to say thanks to that. Before I started the news, I went 10 minutes before I actually got to news today, so I'll start our first story. Um, you know, a woman who was 46 who missed her jet blue flight falsely claimed that there was a bomb planted aboard the plane, um, so her son wouldn't be late for school. So, shout out to uh, <laughs> Marina Verbisky, <laughs> 36, who, who got arrested because she said she wanted to. Again, this was a Karen situation. That woman said that it was a bomb mm. on the plane to stop it so that her son could make the plane. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Good God, come on. Exactly. Now. This is the world we live in, Jay. Somebody somebody breaks through a barricade and gets into the Capitol and gets shot and be like, I can't believe he shot her. <laughs> like, this is the world yeah. we live in. And What's wrong? Why did he shoot her? <laughs> yeah. Then why does us feel sorry for the woman who got shot? It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you didn't... Co- you didn't break through that barricade with flowers in your hand. <laughs> like, what do you, really? you expect me to do? Wow. Now, America's, wow, wow, wow. Rich, yeah, America's rich is 1% avoid paying 
$163 billion that they owe mm-hmm. in taxes every year. Mm-hmm. That's what the Treasury Department is yep. saying. Ah, mm-hmm. So they said the 1% earners, those who have an annual income of more than $758,000, account for 28% of all owed uncollected income taxes from the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, wow. if you owe like $3,000, they put a lien on your house. I don't know what it's like right. actually <laughs> to actually make like that, that you know to owe like a hundred and sixty billion dollars. And remember, Trump, you know, along with Bush, did this. You know, they started um, um, underfunding the IRS so that they couldn't collect mm-hmm. on old debts. That's right. a rich person thing, right there. They actually mm-hmm. underfunded them so that they couldn't collect on debts. But mm. I look at it like this. If they funded them, they only look for poor people to get their money anyway, so I can't really, I can't call it. Mm. Yeah. Now, wow. Yeah, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will return to New York City. It's the first time in two years, but they said it's going to look very different. They're going to ask people to wear masks, um, and the participants must show pre- proof of vaccination. So you can't even participate in the par- parade without a vaccination. So, um, mm. yeah, I know people are going to complain, but, hey, don't go. <laughs> but they're not playing. Really? Um, Amazon joins Target and Walmart in offering um, 750,000 frontline workers free college tuition. Mm. So they, they said that they're going to fill a record of, I guess, um, 10.9 million job vacancies is what they need to need to fill and um amazon will fully fund college tuition for that 750,000 of its frontline employees and e-commerce um giant said on um earlier this week they said they're stepping up their efforts to retain workers in a tight market they said they said i'm sorry i might have ran these stories together but they're saying it's almost 11 million dollar 11 million job vacancies so they're all trying to get new employees now Hmm. here's the thing Here's an interesting thing that I just found out, but do you know that only 18% of people actually go to college? I didn't know it was that low. Really? Yep. Wow. But hmm. another another interesting thing about that is that if you are a PhD, um, they said that there are not enough jobs for all the people who graduate with PhDs anyway. Really? So here's the irony. If you go to doc college to get a PhD, you're not going to get a job anyway. That's really? weird. So you spent all that money to go to school and you just can't get nothing. <laughs> and wow. you're going to be working at Walmart or Amazon or Target. Yes. Like, there's a lot of people who graduate from law school who don't practice law because they don't pass the bar. Mm. And wow. imagine you spent all that money going to law school and you never, there are people who never practice. Mm. So, wow. oh, Amazon also um, is developing a new point-of-sale system that can be sold to third parties. They want to rival PayPal and um, Canada's Spotify or Shopify. I didn't know they were Canadian. So they're trying to get their own payment system um, approved. Now, again, I don't think I'm going to use it, but Amazon has a little little too much going on right now. Like they have holidays, or <laughs> I see more Amazon trucks on my street than I do FedEx and UPS these days. 
and I don't like it. Yeah, you that's know, for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, you know that what's that movie um, with the it's it's a a sci-fi like a dark movie. It's like has the the Umbrella Corporation, it's like a, a apocalypse kind of show movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it's you know they always have these movies where this company owns everything from the trucking company to your grocery store to whatever. I am not letting that happen with Amazon. Believe that. Like really? if they sell computers and then start selling toilet paper, I am not buying all Amazon products. <laughs> we we shouldn't be. That's why. <laughs> What you say? I still go to brick and mortar. I still go to brick and mortar stores, man. I I do. I uh, I ain't for all that, man. I'm sorry. You know, Amazon is trying nope. to build them. Yeah, I know. Amazon is in the process of building malls. Like they want to take over malls, and I'm like, you do not want to go to an Amazon mall and then order nope. Amazon Prime and then have an Amazon. You don't want to do that. I guarantee you. Mm-mm. That is not good for society for one company to have all of your business because that right. means Jeff Bezos would technically be president of this piece, and he's not even vetted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what happens nope. to presidents when you don't vet them? Donald yep. Trump. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Exactly. That's for sure. Yep. Mm. Now, United Airlines announced that their employees who get religious exemptions to be vaccin- um, to the vaccine mandate – will be put on unpaid leave at the end of this month. So they said they expect their revenue and their capacity is expected to drop due to weaker travel demand, but they're making people get their vaccinations. And they're saying mm. just do that's, it. Yeah, that's, that's when Biden, when they were saying he came out with the, trying to come out with the law, they're going to pass it through OSHA that if you got a hundred more employees, you got to be vaccinated. One, I mean, this one guy in my job, he lost it. I was like, well, hey, man. He said, oh, there's, there goes my freedoms. I said, no, you got the right to quit. You can freely quit. Yeah, yeah. they know your freedoms being taken away. You don't have to work. You go, go, go somewhere and don't, don't, don't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody's going to make a law that says that you have to get all vaccinations, but you're talking about, like, 10,000 people daily getting a virus. This is a pandemic, mm-hmm. so this is exceptional. So... Don't think that um, somebody's going to be knocking on your door to make sure you're vaccinated against everything just because they're selling vaccinations. This is killing people. Mm -hmm. And those of us who know people who have died because of COVID, and most of us do, we understand that Mm -hmm. this is serious. So I wouldn't even look at it like that. But most people have this whole thing with government can't tell you what to do. And I'm a fundamental believer in that. But in this Mm -hmm. case, People are really dying. So work yes. that out. Hold on to your principal or, or you know, have bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely have some more of that. But um, a Guatemalan woman who is credited with inventing the McDonald's Happy Meal after opening her first franchise, she dies at 87 years old. So oh, wow. I didn't know some Guatemalan businesswoman invented the Happy Meal. Hmm. I didn't know that either, to be honest. Yeah. As I was watching the History Channel do the food that built America, of course, it was like somebody in the Midwest claim up with the filet of fish and, you know, just all of these franchises creating these new burger menus and, and, um, and items. They never talk about other ancillary stuff that helps create history. And, again, it's how we whitewash history. 
right? She wasn't one of them, and she was foreign, so nobody even mentioned mm. that she created that. You think mm. when they covered McDonald's on the History Channel, they would have said that? They just had that. They added it to the menu, and that's all they said. But she is the one. She came up. She came up. Uh, she opened her first McDonald's in Guatemala in 1974, and soon came up with the idea for a kid-friendly meal that was the Happy Meal. So, mm. Yep. Now, um, uh, Hawaii's uh, a Hawaiian resort um, in a tourist hotspot hot of Waikiki, and I only remember this from. Um, um, that, you know, I'm about to show my age right now, but from Fantasy Island and all of those shows back in the days, they used to go to Waikiki a lot. Uh-oh. So anyway, they yeah. are mandating vaccines <laughs> for all guests and staff um, as the cases on the Hawaiian island is um, increasing. So there's a resort, resort there. So if you're going to Hawaii after October 15th, you need to check because you have to have proof from guests and employees that they have actually been vaccinated. And six other resorts mm. owned by the same management company will require it too. So watch your Hawaii trip because you won't be able to go there without vaccination. Mm. Yep. Now, an upstate hospital um, in, in upstate New York announced that it will temporarily stop delivering babies after six employees of their maternal ward resigned um, instead of getting vaccination. So in Lewis County wow. General Hospital in Lowellville, um, they said that they have to pause having babies after September 24th, and the hospital said it will work with the state, um, the Department of Health, to make certain that, certain that mater- maternity ward does not permanently close. But by September 27th, all health care workers in the state, including hospitals, staff, and long-term care facilities, must receive their first vaccination. Um, that was signed mm. by Andrew Cuomo, by the way. Um, in August, that by September 27th, uh, 27th, they have to have their first vaccination. Wow. Yep. Now, the United States has reached a new milestone in its COVID vaccination rollout. The nation now has at least partially vaccinated 75% of adults are vaccinated in this country. So the kids really? are spreading, yeah, 75%. That is and it's a, it's a milestone, so we can't leave leave those out. And um, the vaccine effectiveness, what'd you say? They were saying like 26% of the, the kids now have the uh, virus, man. It's like 26% of the kids under yeah. 12 have it now. Yeah, you know, mm. in, in the initially, early on, the reason that older folks was, they didn't count the numbers. They were counting the numbers of young people. But it was running so rapid amongst seniors and elderly and, and healthcare facilities that they knew that children were getting the virus, but their outcomes, you know, of, of dying was not as high as everyone else. But now that adults are vaccinated, those numbers in the younger kids are spiking up because of the summer and people going to parties and birthday parties and them spreading it, that now we're seeing those numbers um, happen amongst young people. But initially, according to some of the early studies, COVID looks like the mumps. So if you had the MMR in one of the studies, it's saying anybody who's had the mumps um, vaccination is helping fight against COVID because it looks like the same spiky, you know, um, 
protein or, or virus that is in the mumps is how COVID looks to your system. So anybody who's, has, hmm. who's had the mumps or had the mumps um, vaccine are fighting off COVID pretty well. So that's why school-age kids wasn't getting it because they had to have their MMR shots. But now those numbers are looking higher just because the adult numbers are going down so much that the spikes are in the younger kids. It's not that they weren't susceptible mm. to it before. It's just that the, the number of adults was so high that the um, kids looked like they weren't really getting it, which they were. So now we're seeing the, it reverse with 75% of the adults being vaccinated. And almost 80% at, um, has at least one shot um, in adults mm. in the country. That's, and it's very good that they're doing that, but you still need to get vaccinated. Okay, so they said that, um, you know, fully vaccinated Americans have um, less than 1 in 13,000 chance of having severe um, outbreak of COVID. And 99% of all hospitalizations since January has been amongst unvaccinated people. So just so you understand, 99% of the people who've had cases since January were unvaccinated. So they're saying severe breaking wow. COVID cases are incredibly rare, but the CDC data suggests fully vaccinated people have less than 1 in 13,000 chance of breakthrough hospitalization or death, 1 in 13,000. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because I keep hearing that story where people are saying, "Well, people are are getting the virus even though they're vaccinated." Yeah, you can catch a regular common cold even though you're vaccinated. You just won't die from them, <laughs> right? Right. So don't worry about getting the virus when you're fully vaccinated. It's just your outcomes are going to be bad or or severe if you're not vaccinated. But we can't. None of us can mm. stop. There's no cure for the common cold, and COVID mm-hmm. is. COVID-19, so COVID-1, 2, 3, you know, through 18 are all cold viruses. They're regular common mm-hmm. cold viruses, COVID is. So, you know, a, a developer uh, or, or, well, I'm trying to think of the company. It is, oh, I just had the company's name. But anyway, there's a, another company that has another drug trial coming out for um, for the pill, version of the vaccine so it is um, under development and it's in this late stage trial um, that's already started so they're actually trying the pill out and I'm going to keep on top of the story because they're going to start giving it to people in India people who do not have um, um, cause, because you know Moderna and the Pfizer you have to store those um, vaccines at really high temperatures so right. it's in some areas when they don't have the refrigeration systems to actually keep that stuff, it'll just go bad. So, and there are some companies that they're not really getting vaccinations um, at the rate of everybody else. So they're developing they're in late stage trials for for a pill. So we'll we'll definitely announce that. So you'll be popping pills like you do. Um, whatever that Theraflu, when people get the flu and they take Theraflu, there's probably going to be a pill mm-hmm. for um, for COVID at some point, but they're in late stages of development on that as well. Now, Moderna said that it's developing a single-dose vaccine that combines a booster shot for COVID and the flu. So if you already take a flu shot, 
Moderna has announced on Thursday that its new vaccine being called the mRNA-1073 will be a blend of the COVID immunization with the flu with the flu shot. Now, mm. again, I don't hey. take a flu shot, but so I don't know what that means. But if you already take the flu shot, you can actually get vaccinated at the same time. Is all the more here's, of that story. My, my question is, can you mix the two, though? If you got Pfizer and Moderna, can you mix that? Okay, I don't, I've never, I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, you know, they've talked about that before, and they're saying in some cases that you should, but it does not, they're not um, suggesting it just because um, nobody, there's no long-term data, but there's no long-term data in any of the vaccines right now. I mean, it's only like two years mm-hmm. or so of vaccine. But in some cases, I know in other countries, they're letting people um they're, they're encouraging them, like if you already had the Johnson & Johnson, for example, to get a Moderna or a Pfizer shot. So they're, okay. they're, I have not read anything in any of the health publications that there was any bad outcomes from that. But I did see a lot of stories about them encouraging people, no matter which one you got first, to go get another one. So, yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. they're um, mutually exclusive because you have to remember Pfizer and, and Moderna – are not viruses. So usually with flu shots, they give you a dead strain of a virus. So that's mm-hmm. just introducing two different viruses. But what they're doing is they're introducing um, kind of a copy of what that virus looks like in your system so your body builds immunity to it. So it's not actually the virus. So back in the days when people give you a flu shot and stuff, folks are like, I'm not taking that because it is making me, it's giving me the flu. And even though it's a mm-hmm. dead strain, they're absolutely correct. But the Pfizer and Moderna are not, they're not COVID-19 strains that you're getting. So there's no data or nothing that I've ever read that said that it's bad taking one and then a different one. Mm. So, and even, even the, the, um, the um, CDC or the FDA or none of those guys said that not to do it. They just said that they're not encouraging it, but it doesn't, it's not going to hurt if you need to, if you need to do it. Under extreme, if you're, the area you're going to does not have one of them, you can take the other. That's pretty much what they were saying. Okay. Yep. Now, um, the technology behind the Oxford coronavirus um, shot um, could be used to fight cancer is what they're now saying in a new story, that it could help trigger the immune system to fight against tumors. Um, and they're saying their early studies in mice is showing that it actually is working. So this this is some a thought that I also had is that how do you create something to work so fast against the virus, but these other things that in your body they've never worked on those. But again, we really? know the answer. There's no money in the cure. <laughs> There's money in the treatment. Yep. So that's pretty that's much it. the motivation of not curing <laughs> cancer, right? It's like, exactly. Yeah, we can't keep selling them, exactly. selling them the the, um, the cure if we can't you know milk it for long periods of time. Now, exactly. It's all about money. Yep. Now, the L.A. police chief ordered um, police officers to collect social media profiles on every civilian they interviewed, including those who are not arrested or accused of committing a crime. So mm. just to let you know, if you are in Los Angeles, that the police department has instructed its officers to collect people's social media since 2015, regardless of if they've been arrested 
or not. It's also tracking mm. Black Lives Matter related hashtags online. Now, again, really? yeah, again, this is illegal. You know, police cannot, they're not supposed to do that, but they're ordering to, to do that. So if you watch any show mm. like Snowfall or Boys in the Hood and, or, hell, what's the other one? Um, Adam 12. And you hear about the Rampart mm-hmm. division of of the LAPD during the time of um, the crack epidemic. That in that division they had a lot of CIA and um, other operatives, FBI working inside the LAPD collecting data on for, folks. They were the ones who were <laughs> facilitating getting those drugs out on the street, doing the counterintelligence mm-hmm. or, or Contel Pro that Reagan was doing in the eighties. They put federal agents in LAPD, and they facilitated getting those drugs out in the street while they were the other departments were arresting people. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out there for a bit of history reference. When, whenever you hear somebody say something like they're collecting data on everybody, yes. So stop putting your information wow. on social media. Yep. Now, a former Georgia DA is booked on charges of obstructing cops in the Ahmad Aug. Aubrey murder case after she blocked the arrest of her former investigator and son. Mm -hmm. Jackie Johnson turned herself in to the sheriff's department on Wednesday on charges of violating her oath of office and hindering law enforcement officers in the Aubrey murder case. And I don't know what's going on with Georgia, but another Georgia County District Attorney is indicted for trying to influence a manslaughter trial with a $1,000 $1,000 bribe. Now, after already mm. facing criminal charges over a campaign rap video <laughs> of cars <laughs> doing donuts in the parking lot, Mark Jones, who is not black, I could have played black or white, but it ain't it. It ain't it. Mark Jones, who's 40, is facing charges for damaging government property and is now facing multiple charges of trying to influence a murder trial by offering prosecutors bribes. This is a mm. prosecutor. Again, you know, we will go off on the attitudes of black people, but white folks are doing some real crime here, and we actually turn a blind you eye. You ain't there. Wow. Yep. So the U.S. Capitol Police will launch, launch a disciplinary action against six officers who violated the January, uh, uh, after violations during this January 6th riots. I think Johnny talked about this, but the police bureau lost 38 internal investigations and was able to identify the officers involved in 26 of the cases. In six of those cases, they're recommended disciplinary action. So there's mm. 38 investigation and 26 cases, but they're only disciplining six of them. Wow. Yeah, that tells you something. Mm. During the Capitol insurrection, 26 officers were involved with doing something that um mm. yeah 26 of them but they only they're only taking six the most egregious but again if that was if they had a little bit more darker skin this would be scandal and they would be blasting this all, all over the place and they <laughs> You're would put kid man brother yeah now QAnon obsessed surfer school owner was indicted and could face the death penalty for killing his young children with a spear gun in Mexico because he thought they had serpent DNA. 
So mm. Matthew Tyler Coleman, I don't know why they always have three names. Matthew Tyler Coleman, his <laughs> wife, <laughs> two-year-old son, and ten-month-old daughter, um, he killed both of the kids. He didn't kill his wife, but he's charged with two counts of foreign first-degree murder in and of United States nationals. So since they were U.S. citizens, and even though he was their parent, he was a U.S. citizen, he killed them in Mexico. So the charges are two counts mm. of foreign first-degree murder of U.S. nationals. And he did that on August 9th. Wow. Um, he allegedly used a spear gun to shoot his son, who was two years old, and his daughter. Oh, my Henry. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. It says he did it because he was enlightened by QAnon conspirators. So the charges makes him eligible for the wow. death penalty. And um, they said the attorney general will decide later if he wants to do so. If not sentenced to death, he faces life in prison and a $250,000 fine. A two-year-old and a 10-month-old. Wow. That is these are, crazy, These are, these are your rioters, people. Like, this is, this is your dream team. So another Capitol mm-hmm. rioter, 71, who, who was armed with 11 Molotov um, cocktails and five loaded firearms and a crossbow and several machetes, he is pleading guilty. Lonnie Kaufman, 71, has reached a plea guilt deal with prosecutors after the grand jury indicted him on 17 charges in January. They found explosives. Mm-hmm. And firearms in his truck. Now, again, mm-hmm. we should be taking bets on how much time this guy should get, opposed to what he will get, because we know what's going to happen. You know, if they're doing mm-hmm. rallies trying to get these fools off, but they found him with, you know, firearms and and bomb making materials, and they're like, he was just a tourist. <laughs> how many tourists do you see putting the capital with firearms? Like it's like okay, really. Wild Boy wow. Capital Rider, who owns a roofing company, complains that his ankle monitor is beeping too loud around his potential clients. So, Gabriel. Oh, started, my God. No, dude. You got to be kidding me. He filed a Ooh. motion to, uh, that his ankle monitor was, was interfering with his business. You know what also interferes with your business? Being put in jail. Stolen <laughs> the Capitol. Jackass. Ah, All right. Now, um, a bullying white Amazon, um, I guess he was a program manager, he's fired after he screamed and swore at one of the company's black delivery drivers for walking on his grass. There's a video that was captured by his ring doorbell that showed him yelling at the black um, delivery guy. And then he called... Amazon, the warehouse, and tried to get the black guy fired for walking on his grass. He called them the N-word several times as the black dude walked away from his vehicle. So in a statement from Amazon, um, they said that he was saying nader instead of the (laughs) N-word. No, he didn't. I love these stories, right? Yeah, yeah, they said Someone, someone on the phone name was Nader, so that's what he must have been saying. So when you say somebody's okay. name when you're talking on the phone, 
you say Nader, Nader, Nader. Is that how that goes? Cause yeah, that's really. not what he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now, what is wrong with people, man? Yeah. Now, the delivery driver said he was suspended after that white guy complained about him, despite having um, subject, he was subject to racial abuse. They still suspended the black guy. But Amazon statement really? said that they never fired him. And he's still an active driver. You know what? But you suspended him. They suspended him, but they fired the guy who used the racial slurs and got him suspended. You know, here's a new law that should be in effect. I think there should be punitive damages for black people who are accused of being black. Like, if you do something Mm -hmm. racist against somebody black, you need to be able to sue and get punitive damages. You ain't kidding me. You know what I mean? You can't take back his suspension mm-hmm. now you, and, and the yeah. money that he's lost. So, you know what? That that needs to, if any politicians are listening, any lawmakers, try that one. There needs to be punitive damage laws for people who are discriminating against black people to make them lose money. You get me suspended really? or fired from my job, and I find out that it's because you were racist, you need, somebody needs to pay. That, you know, you so ain't kidding Damages. Yep. Now, an ex-con who was filmed hanging his girlfriend's daughter, who was two years old, with a scarf in the storage room, and t- he he what? told her to pass out. He's fifty-two. Oh Lord. David Coleman was sentenced in Nebraska after filming himself repeatedly toking a two-year-old girl, and the toddler was hung oh, by her neck because she lost consciousness, and then he cut her down. I'm, mm-hmm. And again, I'm only doing these stories not to discuss you on a Sunday, but just to let you know that there are some sick people that we're overlooking. And You're not we kidding have, there. Yes. Now, there was a, this guy, Thomas Bryan um, Stamen, and we know where this is going when I say three names, right? Mm-hmm. He's from Churchtown, Maryland, yeah. 51. He was charged with assault and reckless endangerment after stabbing this girl with a needle in her in her butt. That um, again, this happened in February, um, and he told her it feels like a bee sting. Like he, he she didn't know what happened, so she turned around. And he was like, "Oh, you must have got bee stung." He had a needle um, of of that man's semen and stabbed her in the butt with it. And they found what? more needles in his car containing samples of his DNA. Thomas Bryan. Wow. Yeah, people are sick. I don't know if it's the pandemic that are making people crazy, but he stabbed her in the butt with a syringe. Hmm. My yeah. God, man. Uh, I know. Wow. I'm sorry to do I, I will I will try to do a little bit more uh, better stories, but I think we ignore these in national news, so I'm, this is why I'm um, doing the story. Now, this, the Supreme Court of Virginia ruled that the state can take down the Confederate statues of Robert E. Lee and um, that towered over the Capitol for more than a century. Now, the court's ruling shut down two lawsuits filed by Virginia residents who attempted to block the removal of this 21-foot bronze equestrian sculpture. Um, and they said that <laughs> they they are moving it. They said it was, it, it was, okay, its removal will mark the 64th that's been taken down since George Floyd 
um, protests began in May 2020. 64 statues. My God. I, I don't know why it why would so you, long. Why would you? Because they lost. Right? Right. Like, he was a defector from the United States. He was a traitor. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure when the United States formed, they didn't say, hey, let's just put the Queen of England's picture and statues all up over the place. You're lost. Really? Yeah, we're the only country that mm-hmm. that fantasizes fantasizes about winning things that we lost. Apparently, now um, now artificial intelligence intelligence said that it can guess a person's race with ninety nine percent accuracy by looking at X rays or other medical stands. So they're hmm. developing technology again to identify people by race by by examining their chest and hand x-rays and mammograms. So they're saying this accuracy, the AI um, protects a black person with 90% accuracy and even 99% accuracy at times. Okay, why would this be necessary mm. if everything is if everything is fair and they don't discriminate, why would you need to know the difference between a black and a white person in an x-ray? Mm. Yeah. Wow. No reason. Now, the remains of um, American-born singer and dancer Josephine Baker will be reinterred at the um, Pantheon Monument in Paris, making the entertainer the first black woman to receive the country's highest honor. It is almost like it's at, um, what do you call the, in Virginia, where we... Oh, the the National Monument, uh, the... uh... Yeah, it's Arlington like being in National, Arlington yeah. National Cemetery. Mm. So they're doing that in France for Josephine Baker. Now, France really? um, President Emmanuel Macron is organizing a ceremony for November 30th at the Paris Monument, which houses the remains of scientist um, Marie Curie, um, um, Curie, philosopher Voltaire, um, just a bunch of French luminaries. Baker was buried in Monaco following her death in 1975, dressed in a French military uniform with the medals that she received for her role in the French resistance during the Second World World War. Now, we've heard a lot about... Wasn't she a spy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be the first... Yeah, she'll be the fifth woman um, to be honored with the Pantheon burial and the first artist. And the monument holds the remains of 72 men but only five women. But she was born mm. in St. Louis, Missouri in 1906. She gained fame in the late 20s and early 30s, especially in France, where she moved in 1925 after she fled racism and segregation in the United States and was also the first black woman to star in a major motion picture in 1927. It was a silent film mm. called Sirens of the Tropics. So she not only left the country, she actually enlisted and hmm. helped out France during World War II, and now she's getting the highest honor that you can have, Josephine Baker. Hmm. We always think of her hmm. entertainer, but you know. Mm-hmm. Very so, fine entertainer, too, man. She's oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh, you know, gosh, again, beautiful. every now and then, I mean to play, I, I, I try to um, play the um, digital underground song Heartbeat Props, because it's a great mm-hmm. verse. Um, that um, Mo, Easy Mo B does, and he says, um, and he's honoring Josephine Baker. He said they they love the way she. They, they said something like, 
We love the way she shook her money maker, but why did it take her so many decades to give a little praise to who they ran rave to see with a dark complexion? She was a sex symbol before Marilyn Monroe, but the heart stopped before mm-hmm. they gave props to the old pro. Right? There you go. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, we don't respect people, um, especially people of color, but Josephine Baker, we should be respecting her in this country as well because she's from here, so we should respect her. Now, exactly. um, a Georgia cop who's 57 posted an anti-vax message on Facebook that took the anti-parasitic drug meant for horses. He died yeah. of virus. Joe Manning had posted that he was not um, vaccinated against the virus and celebrated the fact that his choice, uh, of his choice, and that he's right. And he promoted this um, parasitic, the, the anti-parasitic drug. Again, horses, you know, they're kind of bigger than you and have a lot more mass and weighs a lot more than you. You do not want to take any kind of animal um, medicine, like none. You would think you'd be smarter than that, but apparently Joe, some people thought it was Joe okay. Rogan, Joe Rogan took it, man, and he said he got better because he had the coronavirus. He said he got better. I was like, okay, better you than yeah. me, my brother. Yeah, maybe he got better because he got better, but that that – um, anti-parasitic drug does not help against COVID-19. I started to do that story mm-hmm. because the company that's doing the pills um, for vaccinations also makes that drug. And they're saying do not take it because <laughs> it's a parasitic drug. And they said although some some drugs that are made for animals don't really hurt humans, but at the same time Anything in high volume, can you can overdose on. So they're saying don't mm-hmm. take any of that stuff. It's not made for that. And it does not work for it. But mm. any, anyway, you know how this whole um, culture of, you know, things going viral goes. It's like, oh, I could just take this, you know. You yeah. might as well just eat M&M's. I think M&M's will work just as good. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. Reese's Pieces may yeah. do the same thing, but I'm just saying, I, I parse the M&M. So either one, opposed to taking any anti-parasitic drug meant for horses, just grab some M&M's. Mm. You can eat the whole wow. bag if you like. That, yeah. Just don't, don't, don't um, <laughs> you know, don't feel pressured to do what those fools are saying on the, um, on the internet. Now, cops mm. hunt for, um, um, uh, for, okay. Now, this is a, a bad story for me. Cops are hunting for a New Orleans 911 operator for intentionally hanging up on callers after um, she wouldn't get them help. So she's a really? former 911 dispatcher, and they uh, they sent out a warrant for her arrest uh, on counts of a malfeasance in office and interfering with emergency communications. Now, I can play this one out, black or white, because... When somebody's on their job and they do something like that, if a policeman intentionally walked away from somebody and they got hurt, they never charge the policeman. But they're going to charge the 911 operator. Huh. Right? Really? So we can easily play black or white on this one because you know where this is going. She had to be black mm-hmm. for them to say, She's hey, you hung up on somebody. Yeah. We're going to get you. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, now um, – during a powerful Arizona monsoon 
it ripped the fences off the hinges and leave left Trump's border wall washed away. <laughs> <laughs> so he spent all that money on shoddy contractors and just one bad rainstorm washed that piece away. They said it left the structure rusting and and it knocked them from their hinges. So a portion of that wow. wall was damaged in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. I was like, okay. All right. Dang. Now, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where to go with that. Just the the comedy of them spending money on stuff that they knew. They're, they're grifters, and I think everybody made a really good case of them being grifters. But, you know, they're spending money at shoddy contractors. They don't really care about securing anything. They're playing on your emotions. And, again, it's a part of European pathology to think that other people are doing something to them when they don't have things mm-hmm. their way, you know. Yep. So it, it didn't work, but anyway, his border wall got washed away. Now, a Portuguese um, um, motorcycle racer, Manuel um, Oliveira, who's 26, he married his stepsister. Now, again, they're steps, huh? so I don't really know how this goes, but they said that they were keeping their 11-year relationship secret, which they should have, and the couple recently revealed that they're expecting their first baby together. Now, again, this is a news story, okay. but the couple met with their see, – see how nice they're putting this? The couple met at age 13, and Miguel's father <laughs> married her mother, and um, they were dating since 2019. Okay. I would say again, they were dating way before that. Way they had an 11-year relationship, that. which means that she was 14. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so, okay, so this didn't end in somebody going to jail, apparently. So I really, I'm just pointing <laughs> out that there are differences depending on who you are uh, when it comes to stories like this. It seems like a happy love story when they tell it from that. Yeah, yeah. Culturally, black folks don't go for this. I just want to put that out there mm-hmm. for the record. Yeah. yeah, laws would have to be changed in a hurry. We don't even we don't mm-hmm. even mess with our play cousins. Like that ain't really cool. That's it. Like, exactly. Your neighbor who you grew up with, who who used to eat breakfast with you in your underwear when you little, you do not date them. Is <laughs> wrong with you people? Exactly. You know exactly. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying not to be too harsh on folks, but again, those are cultural differences that we'll have to make note of. Now, you know, scientists. You know, it's actually really cool. I actually like um, this story, but you know, scientists have figured out how to make a. I guess I'm trying to think of what company it is, but they're developing a machine washable smart T-shirt that monitors your heart. Like it's like a chest strap. Yeah. So it's altered thin. They said carbon nanotube fibers. Like it looks like regular stitching. So if you can imagine your your shirt when it has um, a sewing machine stitching in, it's actually a monitor. It's like threads. Um, so they're going to put it in normal athletic wear um, using a standard sewing machine to read the rhythms of your heart. So experts in Houston, Texas are developing this. It's a carbon nanotube monitor um, that they're going to hmm. monitor your heart rate, and you can have a continual electrocardiogram a EKG, if you don't know what that is, and it captures your heart yeah. rhythm, electrical activity. That is interesting for people. Man, that I heart don't mind getting that. 
Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. for people who have any kind of heart problems, I think that is great news that they can actually see really? something like that. You know, now, I don't think with the news story of the LAPD just monitoring everybody that they need to have access to it. <laughs> they probably, they really? probably, <laughs> people, <laughs> like, I think, I think we see him committing a crime, but he has one of those shirts on. <laughs> like, they would try that election. Yeah, really, really, yeah. really. Yeah, you, you, have, you, you can, uh, have you checked out? And you check out this dude, Larry Elder. He, he, he's doing the Trump narrative now, man. He, I remember Larry Elder. If he Elder. loses it, oh. yeah, Larry he, Elder. If he loses the, he said what? The uh, election on. If he loses the election on Tuesday, it was rigged. <laughs> <laughs> not just that he's this crazy. Larry Elder's been crazy for years. He is not. Yeah, because he's. He He's said what? that uh, that the the, uh, that the slave owners deserved reparations, and they still deserve reparations. Mm-hmm. This is what this clown said. I like what is wrong with this? What is wrong with him and Candace Owens, man? What's wrong with yeah. these two folks, man? Y'all hate yeah, y'all you own know, skin that much? Yeah, I I I can't say again. I can't stress this enough. There are black folks who don't like being black. And you can be brainwashed so much that you love um, other people more than you love yourself. It is very unnatural to be that way. It is like, you know, having a dog love a cat too much, right? Like you don't love other other dogs. You don't like your own species, but you prefer, you know, you know, having like a fish love a snake or something. You know, it's weird. But, yeah, Larry Elder has been like that for years. And it must be some reward um, from white folks that they must love hearing that from black people, that they don't like other black folks. I guess, man. I can't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know a lot about Candace Owens because I really don't pay her attention. I've seen her, I've seen some, you know, social media posts but I cut her off literally after 30 seconds because I realized that yeah. that woman is sick, right? Yeah. And for her to to really kind of identify, like not just in identifying, you can love anybody. God gives. I'm going to say this in the words of Minister Farrakhan. God gives you the ability to love. So if you open your heart up to anybody, you can fall in love with them. But mm. if you are going towards somebody because you hate yourself, that is a problem. Yeah, really. Yes. Candace, Candace Owens hates herself. Yes, you know, it reminds does. me of Uncle Ruckus. I can't wait till the boondocks come back. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Ruckus, I don't know if you remember the one where he gets tasered by the police, and he goes, Yeah. And he goes, um, I think he was trying to say it wasn't him, but I understand. Because y'all see me black, so you understand why you taser him, but it wasn't me. But I understand, but it wasn't yeah. me. Right? You can love, you can love uh, abusing black people like white folks have loved abusing black people. And he wants to be on white folks' side. So he was like, I understand, but it wasn't me. So, yeah, I can't wait to Boondocks come back. I'm sure Aaron McGruder is going to tear up. Um, now, now, you know... Um, you know, our last story really quick. They're saying that cats are falling ill with life-threatening stress because the owners are home longer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's 
interesting enough, when people say they love their pets more than they love their other their own humanity, it reminds me of the fact that your animal is locked in the house for about 12 to 14 hours. Of course, it's happy to see you when you get home. Thank you very much, and good night. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. That animal don't love you like that, boo. You got them locked really? in the face. They don't. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I see that, it's like wow. they're just like family. They're just like a family that you locked in the basement. They're hostages. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll do we'll do some more news next time, but that was my bad. <laughs> that they're from. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you next week, brother. All right. See you next week. All right. All right, Thanks. brother.